Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with a bald-faced truth. Well, I'm not at the Pac West Center, and I'm not in my home studio today. I am in downtown Portland at the Oregon Convention Center, where Worlds of Sport is taking shape. It'll happen here Saturday and Sunday. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday. And I got to tell you, I got to be your eyes and ears right now. Literally five feet from me, Terry Baker's 1962 Heisman Trophy. Just across the way, a seven-foot statue of Bill Walton being erected, the basketball in his hands. The Blazers crew are here. They're setting up. Uh, They've got a Blazers retail shop that is going in. Some hard-working folks put in the Blazers basketball court. Did a hell of a job with that. Shout out to them. If you want to come shoot a basket at the Oregon Convention Center, we got you covered. The pickleball people. That's right. The pickleball people came over to me. They're like, hey, can we get on the show today? I'm like, yeah, you're setting up your pickleball court. You can get on the show. The Beavers of Oregon State, just beyond the Blazers, set up here at the Oregon Convention Center. They're putting a virtual reality set together. So you can put on a VR headset and basically know what it's going to be like to sit in Reeser Stadium after the west side of the stadium's completed. What I'm telling you is you got the Blazers, the Ducks, the Beavers, the Winterhawks, the Hops, the Thorns, the Timbers. Oh, yeah, there's a soccer pitch going in right now. All of them in one place. Like, I've seen the Blazers. I've been to Moda Center. I've seen Oregon State at Research Stadium. I've seen the Ducks in Eugene. I've seen Winterhawks games and Hops games and Thorns and Timbers, Pickles, Portland Diamond Project. You're in my world now, right? But what I haven't seen is I haven't seen all of these things under one roof. You're going to hear the sounds of construction going on in the background of today's broadcast. There's a forklift nearby. They are erecting the main stage where the panel discussions will take place on Saturday and Sunday. Panel discussions featuring people like Jaden Grant, team captain, Oregon State football. Uh, Keith Brown, linebacker, University of Oregon. Daly McClellan, volleyball player, University of Oregon. Uh, uh, we have Morgan Weaver of the Thorns that's going to be here doing a meet and greet. Alex Molden and Anthony Newman, two former Oregon Ducks defensive backs, will be here. It's going to be pretty damn cool. And Anna has popped in here for the broadcast. And Anna, I am doing this broadcast, and right behind me, backlit, there is a sign that's got my face on it. It's got the logo of the radio show on it, and it is backlit. This is like having a billboard around me. This is like the coolest thing ever. You look legit. Like for the first time potentially. This is it. You look legit. I have made it. <laughs> I am There's a giant I'm a little concerned because there's a giant world of sport truss yeah. going up behind you. It looks really heavy. Yes. And you're right. It's gonna be the main stage. Yeah. But it looks amazing. And the pros here know what they're doing. But I'm I'm telling you, man, this place I'm 
I have had a hard time envisioning what it was going to look like until today because everything's going in and it's incredible it really and you pointed it out everything under one roof like when are you going to have Oregon and Oregon State together in the same space like this along with the Blazers and the Hops and never. the Winter Hawks never and you know like it's a all, historic moment all the sports all the sports Hood to Coast will be here like it's it's really something to look across and see everybody um, celebrating all the different sports that are amazing in our region. I can see the football goalposts that are being erected yeah. at the far end <laughs> of the convention center footprint here. And I originally when they said you could kick a field goal inside the Oregon Convention Center, I went, oh, is it going to be like blow-up goalposts or is it going to be like PVC pipe yeah. or something? Like, it'll be some rinky-dink thing. Nope. It's a real, it is a real goalpost. It is an actual goalpost that is going up, an actual football goalpost that is going in. So I think if uh, you're somebody who is going to want to come down here and kick a field goal, you're going to get to kick a legit field goal. Blazers basketball court. It's like the coolest Rip City court that is uh, going up and. For those of you who are excited about this event and already have your tickets, fantastic. Or if you're making plans to be here, I know the weather's not going to be great on Saturday. It'd be a great opportunity to get indoors and celebrate sports. But I'm I'm pretty fired up about this. Judah Newby, you are back in studio. You're going to be out here as part of the festivities as well over the weekend. What are you excited to see? Pickleball. <laughs> I got to play some. <laughs> uh, the Blazers being out there is is awesome. Same with uh, you know all the. Uh, I'm excited to see the athletes. You know, Keith, Keith yeah. Brown being out there, and how do, how does uh you know the NIL play into it from from what you know? Because that that's those yeah. are cool opportunities for those guys. Yeah, John Wilner wrote about it today. I thought it was really interesting. He had a piece about this event being what's right in the NIL space because we see a lot of what's wrong when it comes to name image likeness. We see. You know, six- and seven-figure deals, basically renting players, basically glorified free agency. We all understand how it's working. You have Nick Saban speaking out and other people upset about, you know, player players being bought or whatever. But you come to an event like this, and what, what these athletes are getting, Jaden Grant and Keith Brown, two, or, two football players in this state, one at Oregon and one at Oregon State, as well as Daly McClellan and some other athletes that will be here, they are getting paid by some of the sponsors of the event. And and the amounts of money that they're getting, I don't think they would be upset with me talking about this. We're talking about, you know, a couple hundred bucks, up to $500. But an opportunity for them to interface with brands like Portland Gear, brands like Dutch Bros, brands like Columbia, like real, you know, homegrown Northwest, Portland area, uh, Pacific Northwest, State of Oregon brands that – will they will be ambassadors for and so they'll be here making a little walking around money but it's not like it's a six or seven figure deal and it's not a deal that's tied to them being at oregon or oregon state and wilner wrote it today he's like hey there's so much wrong in that space right now here's an here's an example of getting nil right and i'm sure like i haven't talked to oregon and oregon state i'm sure they're okay are excited about their athletes having opportunities. Tahana Pow Pow, University of Oregon women's basketball player, also getting an NIL opportunity as part of this event. So there, there have been, I think, some great examples of like, all right, here's here's a case where we can all kind of go, you know what? It's not like these guys are getting a Lexus or a Toyota Forerunner or something. You know, they're 
They're just getting some walking around money, and they're able to come out and be ambassadors for their universities. I love that so much. And I heard, I don't know if you can confirm this, that Adriana might be there. Adriana will be making an appearance. So for listeners who aren't interested in seeing me at the event, (laughs) Alabama Adriana will be at the event. She'll be at the main stage, which is right next to the booth. Uh, We have a Bald Face Truth, uh, johnconzano.com booth. That will be there. We'll be doing some giveaways. And that's the other thing, too. Like, I was walking around here, and everybody's kind of, you know, settling into the space. They've been here all day today, and they're settling in. Like, the Blazers came in, and they set up that basketball court, and they're setting up their retail store. That They're putting, like, a full retail store into the footprint. Uh, and they're like a pit crew, man. I mean, yeah. it just came in. Everything's getting unpacked. And the Oregon State people came in and set up the virtual reality thing, and they drove in a... Uh, a Toyota truck that has, you know, the Beaver uh, paint job on it, and they're already set up. I mean, it's wow. Thursday. Wow. This event is taking place on Saturday and Sunday here. If you want tickets, you can go to worldsofsport.com. I would encourage you to get those tickets now and buy the presale tickets. You can get a weekend pass. Uh, children are heavily discounted or free, depending on what age they're in, courtesy of Dutch Bros. So I think it's just going to be a great opportunity to see everybody in one place for the first time. What this you, is historic. Yeah, it is historic. And I know your vision for this, you know, and your involvement as well. Like, this is the first of hopefully many of these, right? And the fact that it can start in Portland is pretty cool. Yeah, and look, you know... Uh, there are people who are out here working and, and putting together the footprint of the event and the creative visuals in the event that are far more talented than I am. I mean, my my whole thing is I just wanted a good event for our region. I wanted a, I wanted people in Portland to be able to tell people, hey, we had an amazing sports event that happened, and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. We need to go next year. That kind of story as you leave. Because so much of what people have said about our region in the last couple of years has been negative. I mean, i got friends who will text me and go, are you okay? Because they're watching television and they're seeing, you know, they're seeing different images and they're, you know, they're troubled by it. So I, I just, there's something positive going on here. It benefits the Bald Face Truth Foundation. No lie there. I mean, I got a little bit of a dog in the fight because I want kids in our state and in southern Washington to have opportunities to, to play sports and do music and drama and education and athletics. and But I want to see people here. I want to see families walking around. There's a gaming center. If you've got a kid who's into gaming, bring them down here. Share this experience. And especially if you're, you know, if you're looking for a Father's Day deal this weekend, this is a great opportunity to, to jump into the Oregon Convention Center with both feet. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I have never seen Oregon, Oregon State – the Trailblazers, the Winterhawks, the Hops, the Timbers, the Thorns, uh, Pickleball. I've never seen, uh, you know, they got something called a Mega Ball. I don't even know what that is. got to find out. <laughs> but I've never seen everybody in one place, and it's really, really cool to see that. And if you're a sports fan in our region, uh, I would encourage you to support the event. I would encourage you to bring your family down here. Go to worldsofsport.com and grab those tickets now. You can use a promo code. i got a promo code for you, PDX22. Get you a few bucks off the tickets, but uh, I would say uh, make this event part of your weekend and and uh, let's fill this place up because I think it's going to be super super cool. And the one of the one of the creative directors, Brian Capella, is the creative director. He'll be uh, joining us in the four o'clock hour, but he you know he's the creative director for the college football playoff. So like the CFP when they do their 
VIP events and they do their fan fest and whatnot. He's the guy they fly out to Miami. He's the guy they fly to Indianapolis to you know walk into the space and go, here's what we should do. He put this. He put the vision for this event together, and I got to tell you, every ten feet, I am seeing something special. And so I would just encourage you to uh, you know make the event part of your weekend. Come down and see us. Uh, and uh, we got much more ahead here. But go to worldsofsport.com if you want to grab those tickets now. You got the bald face truth. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. We got some big guests uh, coming up later in the show. Alex Molden will join us uh, at 3:30 today. Former NFL defensive back, former Oregon Duck, played a while in the NFL. I'm going to ask him, you know, getting there, staying there. What are the tricks? I talked to J.J. Burden earlier in the week, uh, former Ducks wide receiver and former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. And Burden was upset about the four University of Oregon football players who declared for the draft and then did not get drafted. We'll talk to Alex Molden about that at 3.30. I am broadcasting from the Oregon Convention Center where Worlds of Sport is taking shape. Uh, I've been talking about this thing for like, couple few years and it has finally happened and I got to be honest I was walking down the hallway here going it's happening and when I walked into the building and I saw the activation start to take shape I got super enthused about this I hope you come see it this weekend Saturday and Sunday here at the Oregon Convention Center Uh, one of the activations that is being set up right now is pickleball and Judah talked about wanting to play pickleball Rex WeAreRex.com is the website. Kevin Richard of Rex is here with me. Kevin, are we? Uh, how much pickleball are we going to see here in this uh, in this building? Uh, we're going to see a lot of pickleball, John. Uh, we have a few other tricks up our sleeves. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to enticing you and uh, some of the other athletes bouncing around into coming to play and folks maybe who have never even touched a pickleball paddle, maybe have never heard of pickleball even. Uh, lots of pickleball, though. Give me an idea. Like, when you come in to set up, we're at the convention center. Like, you know, you've got a full pickleball court set up. That's right. Full court. Yep. So people can come in. How are you going to run this? Are you going to do demos, teaching, or people going to just be able to jump in and play? Or what, what are you doing? We're going to do all of it. Uh, we've got some pros coming in, some uh, professional instructors uh, to play, to demonstrate what pickleball can look like at the highest level. Uh, these are players who are competing in some of the big tournaments around the country. Some people that follow pickleball might have heard of Major League Pickleball, the PPA, the APP. These are all different tournament <laughs> formats around the country. I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, <laughs> I know it might sound like I am. Yeah. Uh, Sports Illustrated recently did an article called Barbarians in the Kitchen about uh, the gold rush that is pickleball. And, uh, oh, yeah. And we're just about the recreation, people having fun. But you will get to uh, come play pickleball if you've never played before. we got giveaways. we got demos. we got merch for sale. All sorts of good stuff going on. You mentioned some of the athletes. Like I, I want to see like Jaden Grant of Oregon State and Keith Brown at Oregon, two football players. Can we maybe get them on the court? Let's let's get a grudge match going. Not only can we get them on the court, but I'm going to say right here, right now, at uh, noon on Saturday, uh, if they can get a single point off of Eric Lang and Tracy DeJager, I'm going to throw them oh, some free merch. Oh, really? I don't, I don't a think they can. single point. That's right, single point. There you go. You hear that, Judah Newby? All they need to Amazing. do is get a point. <laughs> I still uh, 
I'm not sure if they can do it. That guy sounds like a pro. Yeah. So how good are those players? Give me an idea. They're great. So uh, Eric just got back from uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, where Dreamland uh, is the new pickleball mecca in the U.S. There's, I don't know, 60 or 100 courts down there. They've, it's a concert venue. It's it's Burning Man meets Disneyland. And uh, uh, Major League Pickleball, that's where they are. Uh, that's where the home base is. And Eric is the captain of his team, the Fives. And uh, some of the legends of the game are on that team, Simone Jardim. And uh, it's owned by Gary V. if you know yeah, who yeah. that guy is. He, yeah. own, he owns that team, so he's texting Eric all the time. I said, Eric, you got to get Gary V. up to Portland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these guys are, you know, pickleball, like, there's very few people now who have not heard of it. Uh, and if you haven't, then you hear of it, then you're going to hear about it ten more times in the next yeah. week. It's one of those things all around us now. Yeah. It's just crazy. I go by the park, and every, everybody stopped playing tennis. Everybody's playing pickleball. Uh, your website, wearerex.com. Rex stands for Recreate, Exercise, Compete, and Socialize. Uh, I think that's important right now. It came up the other day. Uh, Dan Floyd, the COO of Hood to Coast, was on the show. And I, did, I thought he made a really good point. He said, like, coming out of the pandemic, it's really important for us to move around, socialize, see other people. Pickleball, do you think it, the pandemic sort of accelerated pickleball a little bit? It, you know, New York Times had an article called, uh, is pickleball the perfect pandemic sport? And it was because you could play outside. It's still social. You're not too far away from people, but uh, it was still safe. And uh, right now, you know, so many people did discover pickleball during the pandemic. And now they're flooding to us. Uh, you know, people are looking for human experiences right now. Like we've been locked up. And so the whole Rex experience is about that. Pickleball is one of the, the main sports. But we we're, we have a tech ball table here this week. Yeah. It's a curved soccer ping pong table. We'll be pulling the timbers and thorns in. And we got other games as well. But, but yes, like people are looking for human experiences. And I think that's what we're delivering. I want to give away a four-pack of tickets to this event at Worlds of Sport. Here's how I'm going to do it. Uh, caller 4 at 503-417-7575. Gets a four-pack of tickets. It's a weekend pass, so it gets you in Saturday and Sunday. Uh, if you want to buy a weekend pass, you can do it at worldsofsport.com. Uh, but we'll go caller number four at 503-417-7575. Gets a four-pack of tickets to come to the event. Uh, I am uh, really excited to see a bunch of different things go on, but I'm visiting with Kevin Richards. Uh, he's with Rex. We are Rex. That's R-E-C-S dot com. Uh, what makes a good pickleball player, Kevin? Uh, foot speed, hand speed, uh, anticipation. Um, uh, you know, really the culture is very unique. Unlike other, you know, golf or tennis, uh, uh, not to badmouth those sports, but pickleball, you'll find that there's a lot of courtesy and, and uh, kindness, actually, in the sport. And um, so, you know, what makes a good pickleball player? You're probably talking about the athleticism. I'm talking about the total package. Yeah. It's the ability to... Uh, you know, if you're a great athlete and then you're also uh, giving and teaching others how to play. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really the key when it comes to the culture around pickleball. It's really interesting because I went out and you'd, I, you know, we'd, I've talked to you and I've talked to other people about pickleball. But Anna and I went out and I found, first of all, it's not like tennis because in tennis you end up chasing the ball all over the place. Yep. And everybody's hitting the ball out. You know, you really need to be have that locked down. But I also found that, like, it's – hand-eye coordination, it's feet, and then it's not all smashing the ball. No, 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 no. It's hardly smashing the ball, isn't right. it? We're going to have a class actually called Beat the Bangers, and this is about how you, as a pickleball player, 
dinking is a big part of pickleball. Yeah. And this is the finesse part of the sport. Uh, and when someone then makes a mistake, pops it up too high, then the hand speed comes in. It goes yeah. from finesse to speed really fast. But uh, te- this, is not te- this is not a game for people who can't play tennis. It is a different game. People who have a tennis skill set can get good at pickleball pretty fast. But you ha- if you're going to make that jump from 3-5 to 4-0 to 4-5 level, you have to have that short finesse game. Pickleball has amazing long rallies, which tennis does not have. Yeah. That's why you're chasing the ball around because, you know, the, short, the points are short. Pickleball, you can have long points with a bunch of resets throughout the game. It's really addicting to watch. How long does it take you when you see someone play to, to go, hey, that person's got it? Like, that person's that could be a good player. Oh, I mean, 30 seconds. You know? Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could just see right, that. I'm going to go out there. I want you to tell me. I've hey, been waiting, Thumbs man. up, thumbs down. Like, I, do, Am I wasting my time out here? I've been waiting. I've been <laughs> waiting. Uh, but really the key, if you want to excel and really start getting good, is, is drilling, you know, practicing, and not, not just going out and playing games. The games are fun, but to jump from, like, a recreational player to, like, a serious player. Yeah. Um, and we've got both kinds at our club in Clackamas. But uh, if you want to make that jump, you've got to get in and drill. And we got folks that are there every day. We have people. We have some people now have made the three times a day club um we've got people who are just freaking addicted like they're there yeah. all the time oh i can see that and i think too it's really it's really a social thing as well yep uh let me ask you and i'm talking to kevin richards he's with rex we are rex.com uh, if you want to play pickleball, uh, you have more than pickleball there, though, don't you? Yeah, we do a little bit of soccer tennis. We've yeah. got a tech ball table. Um, we might do spike ball for some kids' summer camps. Um, we're going to have foot pool, which is soccer billiards. Yeah. So you're kicking the ball <laughs> instead of shooting the ball. Yeah. Yep. So we have a founding member making that for us right now. But pickleball, you know, it's a flagship sport. 95% of the action is pickleball. Now, I noticed you're over there by the Hop Valley Beer uh, Garden area. Yep. Is... Uh, can you play pickleball with a beer in your hand? Uh, I'm so glad you asked that. We have beer on tap. We have all sorts of beverages uh, yeah. that in our players' lounge. And, uh, yes, you can. Uh, the hardcore pickleball players are not as thirsty as the more recreational players. Right. So uh, I don't mind having uh, more of the recreational folks come in. I think those Hop Valley folks are going to get peppered with pickleballs over the next few days. I think they days. are, too. Yeah. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yep. Uh, so if you want to come down here to the Oregon Convention Center, you can go to worldsofsport.com. Uh, before I cut you loose, Kevin, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing? Like you've seen some of these activations start to take place, and I think by tomorrow this place is going to look like a lot like what it will look like Saturday and Sunday, but what are you excited to see outside of the pickleball? Uh, I would love to try to kick a field goal. Um, you know, I'm a big Timbers and Thorns fan. Uh, you know, lifelong uh, Portland kid, so Blazers are big to me. PWCC auctions, I want to see what kind of sports memorabilia they've got. Um, I'm really curious what, what they're doing. Uh, I'd like to sit in and listen to some of the panels. I'm, I'm interested in discovering some of the stuff I didn't recognize, yeah. and I want to know what that stuff is. Yeah. Like, I know there's yeah. some funky new stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm all about, I love the innovation in this space, and I'm curious to see what, uh, what other stuff is going to be here. I also think there's something called a mega ball. That's happening. Yeah, I, 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 I looked. Do up, you know what that is? I, I don't want to misrepresent it. It looks like soccer, but with three teams. Or is that the different one? No, I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they're all trying to play against each other at the same time. Yeah, three teams going. So it's a, it's in a circle instead of a, a rectangular a yeah. rectangular field. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I yeah, I don't know if I'll jump in on that one, but uh, all right. I want to tell it. you something too that's going on over here, over in the memorabilia area. My parents have driven up from California. My dad's into baseball gloves, baseball bats, memorabilia, sort of antique stuff Like when it comes to sports. He loves collecting. He loves buying, especially. He never really sells. Mm. So we had a long talk with him. We were like, Dad, you're in your 70s. 
you know, like one day you will pass away. We're not going to, we're going to get left with all this stuff. You have to let go of some of it. Dad's down there. He's got a double wide space in the memorabilia area. And he was down here today. He was the first memorabilia dealer to get here. And he's setting up his stuff. So there was part of me looking over going, you know, this is like the biggest thing going on for my parents right now to have a space at Worlds of Sport. I love it. Do your folks play pickleball? Uh, they don't. Not yet. Not yet. See, there maybe you go. This, maybe this weekend. <laughs> I, I would like to see Craig Cheek. I'm here because I think Craig Cheek passed along our information. Yeah. Craig Cheek, I know, is a pickleball guy, so I'm hoping that uh, the Diamond Project makes yep. it over our way as well and we get yeah. some paddles in their hands. Yeah, I forgot about that. Portland Diamond Project's got a radar gun set up, so you can come out here and try to throw the best fastball that you've got. Worldsofsport.com. All right, leave it here. Alex Molden coming up. Uh, I really appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you for being here. Thank you, John. All right. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm at the Oregon Convention Center. Worlds of Sport will be here this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m., to 5 p.m. on Sunday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, I am watched. I have watched football goalposts go up. Uh, a guy on a forklift is driving by right now. Just drove right by Bill Walton's seven-foot statue. Who else will be here over the weekend? Well, how about Alex Molden? He is participating as a panelist on a couple of panels. He'll be talking on Saturday about his book. He's written a book. He does a lot of public speaking. He's doing a lot of coaching, and on Sunday he will be uh, part of a panel discussion alongside Anthony Newman, uh, former University of Oregon defensive back, next to another former University of Oregon defensive back, two guys who played in the NFL. They'll be talking about life after the NFL. Alex Molden joining us now on the hotline. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. Good hearing your voice. It's going to be fantastic down here. I'm telling you, I'm watching this thing go up. It's it's amazing. I haven't seen anything like this. You're going to have a blast. Hold on, hold on. Now, do I get a chance or can I get a chance to kick a field goal? Yes. And you I better bring some of those kids. Some of those eight kids better come with you because this is made <laughs> for will. kids too. We're going to be – hey, I hope you got a lot of prizes. I'm. We're going to be yeah. winning some prizes, let me tell you. I love that. Uh, you know, I, I was messaging with J.J. Burden and talked to him earlier this week, and you came up in that talk because I think you and him see college and the NFL a little bit the same. He said he's really concerned about college guys getting bad advice, and he said they don't understand how difficult the leap is from college to the NFL and how hard it is to stay there. You're one of those guys who made the leap and stayed there. Do you agree with J.J.? Absolutely. You know, I think about all the things that's going on in the world, especially like with the, you know, golf and yep. this, whole, this whole Phil Mickelson deal and, and and all the other professional golfers. And I always come to a saying that I got from my dad, not all money is good money. <laughs> and so when people, uh, these athletes, when they have these oppor- this uh, supposed opportunity to play at the next level, they they jump at it and sometimes you have to you have to let it simmer you have to let it cook you know have that opportunity because it's a huge it's a huge leap and these kids they get people in their ear 
And sometimes those people are very close to them. They have a lot of influence, but yet they don't know. They don't know all the struggles that come along with leaving school early and making that jump to the NFL. So, yeah, well, J.J., everything you said was spot on. You, in 1996, are drafted in the first round. You're the 11th pick. Now, you know, four of these Oregon players were not drafted. They go into a, you know, you know, into a mini camp as an undrafted free agent, or they, you know, they're f- trying to fight to make a practice squad. Give me the difference when when a team has a pick and some money invested in you versus undrafted free agent. How much harder is that path? So like this, like so drafting the first round, like I can make mistakes. I can make mistakes for a year or even two. An undrafted free agent, rookie free agent, you might have a bad day of practice, and that's it. You're done. So I I used to hate, especially, you know, as I got older in the league, and practice and mini camps and training camps, going up against a free agent rookie, mm-hmm. I hated going up against them because – they were giving it their best. They're playing on the biggest stage that they've ever been on, every practice. So you have to have that mentality, you know, as a rookie free agent because you're one mistake away or one bad day away from your football journey, your football career being over. They have to understand that. Alex Molden with us, former NFL defensive back, first-round draft pick out of the University of Oregon. Getting there and staying there. JJ talked about, you know, what he learned early on. I think he had a, you know, a veteran defensive back. You know, he looked at the, this old guy across from him and he said, uh, you know, that he runs about a four-seven now, late in his career. He said, "I'm a four-three, four-four." And JJ went to get off the line. The guy threw him on the ground and wouldn't let him get up. Um, as a veteran, can you relate to that? Like what you knew four or five years into your career. You know what's funny is I remember when J.J. Burden came back to Oregon, and he was like in his, I don't know, seventh or eighth year. And I was going into my, I want to say junior year, and Danny O'Neill was our quarterback. And he said, hey, hey Alex, I'm, you know, we're going out to the field. We're going to do a couple, uh, couple you know, we're going to play catch. We're going to do some one-on-ones. You want to, you want to come? And I was like, you know, a part of me was like, no, I'm not ready. And another part of me was like, yeah, let's see where you're at. And so I went out there, and I got a chance to cover J.J. He was the quickest dude I've ever faced. And he he beat the brakes off me. But I did, I did like once or twice covered him, and that just gave me such a, a boost of confidence. So, um, and his journey was different, right? Uh, I think he was a free agent, a rookie free agent. He was an eighth-round eighth pick. Yeah, eighth-round oh, pick. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah eighth-round pick. Uh, and, and, you know, myself coming in as a, as a first-rounder is, is totally different. But in the NFL, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. It doesn't – the NFL with these athletes, yes, the, your path is a little bit better, you know, the higher up you go because that team is giving you more and more money so you have more chance. To, to have success, but I played with guys who were rookie free agents, and they've had a phenomenal year. They played more years than me, you know, 12, 13 years, because they was able to, you know, know the system, 
luck, you know, luck played a huge part, you know, in terms of like the offense or the defensive scheme, the the relationship you have with the coaches, you know, injuries that happen that, that open up opportunities for you. So there's different ways, but yes, the hardest part is staying. It's not getting in. Getting in is tough, but staying, <laughs> right? I, I play eight years. Two percent of all NFL players play eight years. Anthony Newman played twelve. It's like, you know, one percent. Wow. You're yeah, gonna get to you're, you're gonna get to see Anthony on Sunday as part of a panel discussion at Worlds of Sport, and I, I'm really interested to talk to you guys about life after the NFL. Um, I know you're doing coaching now, and where can people see your podcast, and and where can they get the coaching materials? Absolutely. Uh, uh, my podcast, and actually, I interviewed Anthony um, a couple weeks ago, and it was he opens up about his time after football and the darkness that was there because you know identity, my, yeah. myself included. But he he shares his his story, and it was a a, a phenomenal, very um, very touching, very touching uh, moment. But uh, yeah, it's the shark effect, and you can find that on any platform. You can go to my website, which is simple. It's alexmolden.com. Um, I have I, I do speaking. I do um, leadership training for for different organizations, workshops, and whatnot. So yeah, all my information is, is on my website. Alex, let me ask you about that because I think you know it's part of what you're doing. Like I think men in general, guys in general, in their 40s and 50s, are all kind of at this pivot point of their life, myself included. Like kind of looking and going, hey, is this what I want to do? And what you know? What do I want to do? And what is my identity? Like I think a lot of us are walking around. We don't even know who we are. Yes, yes, and and you know, myself included, I went through that, and it's a very, it's like, um, it's kind of like the movie Matrix, right? The movie Matrix, well, at least the first one, where you know <laughs> you take the the pill, the green pill and yeah. the red pill, keep you know keep living your life, but then you know you get this one pill, the red pill. And it opens up your eyes to what the truth is. And once you understand the truth, what, what your identity is, what your passion is, and then, like, how do you move around this world? Like, what is influence? And, I mean, that's what leadership is. Leadership is influence. Well, then it comes down to, well, how do you influence? What, what, type, of, um, what type of influencers are in your life? And once you understand the biggest one for me is character. When I, when I get to know you, John, when I get to know other people and I hang around them, I get to know their character. And based off of that, I can make informed decisions. I can be able to predict behavior. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but sometimes it takes um, uh, something in your life that, that happens, and most times it's adversity. And you look at that and you break it down and you can start to – Man, figure out, like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want the impact of your life to be? Athletes and celebrities in general, I think, get treated a certain way. And I'm not sure how hard that is. How difficult is that when you're done playing, when all of a sudden, you know, you walk into a restaurant and you have to wait for a table? <laughs> That's a great. That is great. Because... Here's the thing is we, we get passes. We get free passes. The higher up you go as a celebrity, as an athlete, and you play well and you do things and people see your face and, 
Everybody wants to take you out to lunch and play golf with you and all that stuff. Well, what happens when you're done playing? And that's all they see you as. Mm. And then you're not, and because you don't know who you are, you think that what you did is who you are, and now that's taken away from you. Now, now here comes a difficult task of looking in the mirror and understand, like, most of those people, they ain't going to give you no more free passes. <laughs> they ain't going to pay for your lunch. They, you ain't going to get the best seat at the, um, at, at the restaurant. So now you got to be like, just like everybody else. But those people, you know, I, I guess the, the non-celebrities, they've been, you know, that way for a long time. And now, you, now you're in their world, and you don't know who you are. So that's what I do, John. I, mean, I help people who are, who, are, who are in transition. And most of my clients, they're athletes, but some are, you know, um, executives or they're transitioning to another career, and they've been defined by their job. Alex Molden with us, former NFL defensive back, father of eight. Uh, Elijah in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans, third-round draft pick. How different is his experience as you watch him kind of join the league and and flourish a little bit last year? How different did that look to you, or was it familiar to you? Is it the same old NFL? Uh, no, no. The NFL is different. The NFL is uh, it's a beast because now you have the whole social media aspect. Um, the money is huge, but also with that money, when you start to do things and you play well and, you know, that can boost your celebrity. Now, if you don't, if you, uh, let's say you, like you don't know who you are, then that all that celebrity starts to kind of give you this, this jagged, this jagged look on what life is, NFL life is. But, you know, for him, he has a great understanding of the game, but he has a better understanding of who he is and what he wants his life to look like. Um, it's, you know, the pressure is, is tenfold, I think. Wow. Yeah. I noticed, is he still on your cell plan? Are you still paying his bill? Uh, let me see. You get him off the cell plan? I I think I am. (laughs) No, 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 no. He's still on it, but he sends money. (laughs) He sends money to my wife. And so, yeah, so basically he's still on it. I love it. I noticed the other day, I, I think it was on Instagram, you posted a picture of your face, and you're excited about something. And in the comments, Elijah posted, he he wanted mom to take the phone away from you. He oh, said, mom, oh yeah. <laughs> I posted I posted something like I was, I, you know, it hit me that we didn't have the little kids, you know, our three littles, our eight, yeah. ten, and thirteen year old, into any sports camps, mm. and it just hit me. And so I just took a picture, and you know, I was I like to give a little. You know, a little intel about our life, and yeah. or at least my life. And uh, you know, he's he's like his mom. You know, conservative. You don't like to, you don't All like right. dad to make a fool out out of himself. But you know, I'm me. I, I know me. I know my character. And, that's right. And that's okay. It's okay with me. It's not okay with him and my wife. So. I think part of our job too, as we get older, is we're supposed to embarrass our kids. Yeah, you know, I think that's part of the deal. <laughs> that, that, that is part of it. That you're absolutely you're absolutely right. That's a, that's that's part of the job. All right, let me ask you a question. It's a football question that's that I've been dying to ask you. Uh, Tom Brady, he retires and then he goes home for two months and he comes back. Um, you know, he 
is talking about the reasons why he, he just gave an interview with Dan Patrick and he kind of mentioned why the reasons that he's coming back. I want to play this for you and then I want to know what you think because you've been in that position where you have to decide, you know, is it time? Here's Tom Brady. Give me the day, the moment when you say to Giselle, I'm going back. Uh, you know, we had quite a bit of time together. Um, and I think mostly when I kind of told the team, look, like, you know, you guys got to make plans without me, you know, and then, you know, Jason and Bruce said, just give it time, you know. And I said, look, I, I feel pretty strongly, you know. And, and then, you know, time went by, and then you just get super competitive, you know. And I think I'm part crazy. I mean, I think that's the reality. I mean, <laughs> 45 years old, and I'm out here with a lot of young guys that are trying to take my head off. And I see Aaron Donald work out on my Instagram. I'm like, damn, maybe I should have retired, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because he's a beast. Um, but, you know, I had the appetite to compete. And uh, it's going to be gone soon. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I got to, you know, just really appreciate what the time I have left because it's not a lot. All right. So you, he, he retired for two months, Alex. And then he said, I'm coming back. I, my theory is... He was on the couch with his kids, taking out the trash, and he's going, to hell with this. I'm going to get back into camp. But what do you hear there from Tom Brady? Okay, this is what – so i got to, like, break it down, right? So, number one, he's been playing football, football professional, professional football for almost half of his life. And so I'm sure he's been playing it – well, he's been playing it for, for more than half of his life, maybe three quarters. So football is a huge part of who he is, and he's still playing at a high level. Of course I wanted to come back. John, like when, After my eighth year, I was still working out, trying to get my ninth and my tenth year in. But that moment, that, Pat, that the position that I play, I cannot do it anymore. He is still able to do it at a very high level. And if he's doing it, and that can, yeah, those competitive juices, absolutely. I had them, like it, it, to a point where I couldn't watch football anymore. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't like watching professional football. It took me about five to six years to finally turn it on and start watching. So yes, I can see him doing the regulars, being a regular person, doing all that, all that stuff. And it finally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, I was not, I was not shocked. When he ended up coming back, what when you say you couldn't watch it, was it because it was painful, or and you no, wanted to be I there? Or? I, I thought I can still. I believe that I can still do it. I I believed it, but looking at it, man, ain't no way with the injuries that I had. Yeah. And even like my my last year, and I think I told you the story when I was I was playing. I was um, I was with the uh, then the Redskins. But I was covering one of their, their young receivers, and he jumped up. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it like he was about 13 feet in the air. And he made, this, <laughs> he made this catch, John. And I looked, and I said, yep, I think this is about the last year. <laughs> if they're throwing him like this, he was like 6'3", 220, and can jump out. It's like, like T.O. Was, was one of a kind. Yeah. But now, you know, in, in 1996, in 2003, they they growing them, yeah. And they all all these receivers looking just like and I was like, yeah, this is probably it. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Alex Molden, you're the best. Great conversation. We're going to pick this up on Saturday on the main stage at Worlds of Sport and on Sunday as well. I appreciate you being part of the event, and uh, you'll be here uh, with some of your books and uh, willing to meet and greet with people. If people want to meet Alex Molden and listen to him and Anthony Newman talk a little bit, worldsofsport.com to get your tickets. A Alex, thank you. Can't wait. I'll have my books. I'll autograph them. I'm gonna I'm gonna be shooting basketballs. I'm gonna be doing all of not just not just kicking field goals, John. Yeah, um, I'm an athlete. Hey, uh, the pickleball people mentioned they want to see you play pickleball. They said I if can you do can, that too. do you think you can get a point off a professional pickleball player? Because they're saying they have one of the high-ranked national players coming here, and they said no one will I'm get a point. I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm, not, get them. I'm not scared. I'll okay. come. I'll have a change of clothes. All right. Alex Molden, thank you. I'll see you Saturday. Right. There he Can't is. Wait. He's not afraid. Leave it here. You got the bald face truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I loved that interview with Alex Molden. I want to continue that conversation. We'll do it Saturday at the Oregon Convention Center. And again on Sunday, worldsofsport.com if you want tickets. Anna, what would you think of that? I didn't even know it was Alex at first because I came in kind of halfway through, but I, I thought it was great having him offer his thoughts on why Tom Brady is actually coming out yeah. of retirement. I mean, it's great perspective. Judah, what would you think of that? So good. So good. I can hear you guys talk all day. That's He's a phenomenal interview. One of the... Many people I'm excited to interact with over the weekend. We've become friends. I get coffee with him, you know, once in a while. We sit down, and uh, he's such a good dad. He's got eight kids. Uh, they've got a van that they drive all over the Portland metropolitan area, dropping their kids at sporting events and whatnot. Um, but he has got perspective on life that I think, you know, a, a lot of athletes and others can learn from. And we'll have him and Anthony Newman as part of a panel discussion. He'll also be with Keenan Lowe on Saturday, former University of Oregon uh, football player who has written a book called Hometown Victory. So it'll be Keenan Lowe and Alex Molden on Saturday. It'll be Anthony Newman and Alex Molden on Sunday as part of the panel discussions, along with a whole bunch of other things. All right, coming up, we'll talk to the college football playoffs creative director, and we'll talk about the World Cup coming to the Northwest. BFT. Here's John Canzano with a bald-faced truth. Hour number one is in the books. I am broadcasting today and tomorrow from the Oregon Convention Center. Worlds of Sport is taking shape before my eyes. What was 90,000 square feet of empty space in the beautiful Oregon Convention Center is now starting to fill up. The goalposts have gone up. The pickleball court, it's up. The Blazers basketball court, I can see it. I'm looking at it right now. You could go shoot baskets on it right now. Toyota is putting up uh, their... Their tent right now, right smack in the middle of the event. Apparently, you're going to be able to shoot baskets into the back of a pickup truck as part of the Toyota demonstration. The stage is being set up right now. Stage company, like a pit crew over here. 
I am broadcasting right beside Terry Baker's 1962 Heisman Trophy. If you want to come by here and get a photo with it over the weekend, you can. Worlds of Sport will be going on Saturday and Sunday. Celebrate sports. Celebrate our region. Positive event. Family-friendly event. Also, by the way, it's Father's Day weekend, and we all know sports is glue. You don't know what to get your dad? Tell you, Pick your dad up. Tell your dad, look. We're going down. We're going to celebrate sports. I'm going to take you somewhere special and walk this Oregon Convention Center with your dad. My dad will be in the building as well. He's going to be one of the vendors here. He's work, He's over there in the memorabilia area. Got all his baseball gloves and his gear set up. I am being joined here this hour at the top of the hour by Brian Capel. He is the creative director for Worlds of Sport. He's also the creative genius behind the college football playoff fan fest and the vip parties and what i'm saying is the guy sees an empty building and he sees opportunity he doesn't see an empty building brian capel joining us how, how what is this like for you i have to know because i'm blown away by this this is a proud papa moment this is the the, the culmination of what two years of, of bouncing an idea around and being like you know, I think we can pull this off. I think this could be something special. And so it's like whenever you hit this moment that everything starts coming together, it's like, all right, yeah, this is looking good. How much sleep are you getting? Little. Little to none. I mean, it's like you have those things that you kind of forget about and you put in the dark recesses of your mind that all of a sudden at 3 o'clock in the morning you sit up in bed and go, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot that. So. Yeah, yeah. One of those things I'm told was this wood carving of a couple of soccer players. It is a European soccer player. I, I, I think it's uh, – I don't know the club because it's it's got its back to me, and and then a Timbers player, who's got the soccer ball at his feet, and that thing has to weigh. How, how much does that thing weigh? It's not it's not light. It's not balsa wood. It, it's it's some good local wood there. I'd say it's probably a good 400 pounds or so. You you were moving that thing around like it was nothing. Yeah, well, it was six o'clock this morning. It was it, that that was my my wake up this morning was realizing that that the storage facility we had it in. It was a new one, and we uh, we put it in there before they had built the uh, the security door. Oh! So trying to figure out how to get that out of there, yeah, was like the classic college couch move, where you're just like, okay, if we stand on our heads and put it through the door, it could work. So yeah, it was it was something, and it was Sam's coffee. So it's amazing that everybody you know kept their fingers, and we got it out of there in one piece. Well, so. it looks fantastic. I think people are going to be blown away if they see it, and I think that's part of it too. Jack Elder and the uh, the people from the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame have brought several items here to the Oregon Convention Center. And this this is another thing I want to talk about because the Hall of Fame doesn't have a home. Nope. It's in storage. We never get to see this stuff. Terry Baker's Heisman Trophy is here. Yep. Bill Walton, seven-foot statue of Walton that was part of the Hall of Fame display is here. It's already up. It's over by the Blazers uh, area in their basketball court. you got the Timbers thing. People are going to have a chance to come here and see the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, it, it was one of those kind of great opportunities that we looked at, and it was just like there's so many wonderful assets that are kind of out there that it's like why not bring those all into one spot where people can get their photo taken with. I mean, you know, how, how many times are you going to be able to stand close to a Heisman Trophy? And so to, to have it from an, an Oregon State player, it, you know, it's just it made sense that it's here. And, and so I think that's the thing for this the whole kind of thread that we ran through the, everything here is is let's give everything a platform. Well, let's get let's give the things that normally wouldn't have a platform a platform kind of all together. So from the the fringe sports like the pickleballs or the ultimate frisbees or you know anything else in between to the the sports cards to the the main stage and, and just all these kinds of pieces and parts we wanted to have a platform where people could come and see it all under one roof the the fact i mentioned this off the top of the show but the fact that the 
Blazers, Timbers, Thorns, Winterhawks, Oregon, Oregon State, you know, the Hops, uh, you know, everybody's here. I've never seen everybody in one place. Well, I think that's the thing is that, that that was kind of almost like the lightning rod on this is let's not just do another fan fest. Let's not do one that that's predicated by one team, one sport. You know, you come in, you do your Papa shot, you get your, you know, you listen to the ex Blazers and you're out the door in 20 minutes, not to bash the, the, the Blazers fan fest or anything like that, but that's how most fan fests are. It's, it's a kind of a one note thing. So to kind of take it and consolidate it all into one area where you can come out and kind of check out everything all under one roof, it, it, it came, it, that kind of, like I said, that became the lightning rod for this whole event. You and I walked into this convention center, you know, it was more than a year ago, I yeah. think, when we first walked in here to kind of look at the space. I saw an empty room. I don't have your brain when it comes to, like, the vision and the design of things. You have chosen this very unusual design. It almost, to me, like, I, if I'm looking at it from my vantage point where I'm sitting now, I'm sitting in center field. Yep. And I'm looking back towards the infield and home plate. It looks like it's a baseball stadium, and in it, but it's 90,000 square feet baseball stadium. So how do you put together the flow of the room when you're talking about something like this? So it's interesting because when you think about flow, you think about what people are going to see when they walk in the door to kind of you know, first interact with the space. And there has to be something that kind of draws you to every single corner. Like you don't want to walk in and basically see it all in one because you're not going to walk through it all. So if you see everything first when you walk in the door, you're not going to have a little interest going on over here and a little interest going on over there. And so it's, it's being able to kind of tuck those moments kind of throughout the entire space so that you're really encouraging people to come in and just wander. Just take it all in. Just walk from one end to the other and just, you know, go and see the sports cards. And, and even if you're not a collector, that's the great thing about, you know, the guys who are going to be here is, that, you know, they're going to cater to the, the collectors, the sports cards guys. And, you know, they're going to have amazing cards here. But then there's going to be stuff for the kids, too, the ones that want to just get started. And you said it was Father's Day weekend, and I think that was a big draw, too, because it's like that that handing down from fathers to sons and fathers to daughters of, of hey, you know, let's let's crack a pack of cards and check it out. So I think that, that, you know, having those moments that it's like, oh, well, there's, this is going to, you know, grab my attention over here, but at the same time we can go over to this side and see something totally different, and then we can go kick a field goal, you know, and Dad can pull his hamstring, and then we've got an EMT for that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect weekend, really. Diane Hogue was a, a school teacher. Education was important to her. The Fred and Diane Hogue Community Zone is going to be, I think, near and dear to me because you're going to have the Camp Exceptional obstacle course and for people who longtime listeners are going to know camp exceptional is the bald face truth foundation's summer camp for special needs kids and typical kids um but i think this is the kind of event bk where you're going to come into the room and your kids are going to i think go and be drawn to a variety of activations and i think it's going to be like families i really do think families are going to enjoy this thing yeah i think i think families it definitely was a target and and again you know we wanted everything to have that platform, you know, to be able to tell these really important stories. But it, it's funny how that connective tissue runs to sport and how we can kind of, it makes it almost a little bit more relatable across the board when you can have something. And, and yeah, it's an obstacle course, but it's a great message behind it. And it's a great charity behind it. And I think, again, you know, we kind of come in a circle right back to the idea of giving these things a platform and being able to kind of put them up on the pedestal and say, hey, you know what? Look at this. This is a great opportunity as a community build to really kind of showcase you know, the great things that are going on in our city. Brian Capel is the creative director of Worlds of Sport. You can go to worldsofsport.com 
if you are interested in uh, tickets or seeing information about the event. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday right here at the Oregon Convention Center, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, Brian, let me ask you this. Uh, when it comes to the CFP, college football playoff, what have you been involved with and, in, you know, I guess when you were a kid, did you say, hey, I want to grow up and I want to do events and design spaces? And, like, tell us what you're doing, first of all. Well, so, I mean, going back to when I was a kid, I mean, honestly, I mean, I I thought I was going to be the starting right fielder for the Yankees, you know, (laughs) so. And that didn't pan out. Is that Dave Winfield era Yankees? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, just, (laughs) yeah. Phil Rizzuto and Bill White were like the, the songbirds of my soul, you know, growing up in New York. It was fantastic. But. You know, I've always had the propensity for tinkering, and I think that's probably what I'm – I'm probably a professional tinkerer. I mean, I think that's probably the best way to kind of describe what I do. And I've been fortunate enough to work for these great companies that I can kind of use a multifaceted approach to kind of creative, you know, solution solving and, and or, you know, coming up with, with great solutions to, to great problems. And so, you know, college football playoff is a, is a great one because it, it started years ago with the very first college football playoff and kind of doing the fan fest and kind of figuring out what that looks like. And again, you know, similar to this, it's kind of like how do you make it so that it's more than just an experience, you know? And I think that that's what the the years working at Nike kind of helped me realize is that when you kind of have these branded moments that you can run through the lens of this can only be brought to you by this, you know, that's what you want to hit. And and that's what we try to do every year with college football playoff, especially with like the, the you know, pregame parties, hospitality suites and everything like that. It's like this is such a, an important moment not only for the players and the fans and everything else that's going on, but, you know, it's, it's an important moment in sport. And so it's like, how do you take that and kind of just ramp it right up to 11 and make it something that's just like, wow, I remember what they did last year. I can't wait to see what they do next year. You're a collector of sports memorabilia. Give us an idea of what we're going to see on that end of the building. And for radio listeners, I'm well aware that you cannot see that end of the building. <laughs> but uh, I'm basically looking into what would be right field in the uh, in the baseball outfield that we've got going here as part of this uh, venue. Yeah, you go down the line, it's it's going to be great. And, and I think that that's, you know, it's interesting just in that kind of sports card memorabilia scene how that's kind of ticked up again to beyond, I think, a scale that anybody thought that it would get to uh, in the last couple of years. And so you're going to see this great diversity of old vintage cards and a, a couple vendors actually coming in from Midwest, East Coast. And then you're going to see newer cards, and then you're going to see there's a couple people doing card art, which is fantastic, which is kind of a new and emerging thing. There's three guys that are going to be showing their card art, and then actually I think a fourth as well. You know, PWCC is going to be there, and they're kind of, you know, one of those household names when it comes to the, the auction houses online. And so they're going to be talking about their vault, which is a great system. And if you're in the, the sports card world, you know, they're going to be raffling off, a, I think it's like a $500 card or something like that, that you can enter at their booths to, to get it into Damian Lillard card. So, I mean, it's it's that's the, the, the really exciting thing for me is just kind of hearing what all of these sponsors are going to be not just doing but handing out and raffling off. I mean, it's Bring a bag, folks, or, or get a bag when you get here, because there's going to be all kinds of good stuff that's going to be going out, and then we're going to have a huge raffle that's going to happen twice a day where a lot of the sponsors have thrown in things like the Blazers threw in a, an autographed basketball. We've got tickets to Hops games. We've got tickets to Thorns and Timbers games. We've got uh, Portland Diamond Project has, like, a gift basket or two. So, I mean, that's going to be amazing. And then at the end of the day, like the creme de la creme is going to be the uh, the box breaks that we're going to do, which is just like, you know, if if you are a collector and you know about box breaks, you know that, that sometimes getting into a paid box break can cost you an arm and a leg. 
this is literally you pay for a ticket to come in the door and you're entered into the box break. You basically sit in one of a hundred seats in front of the stage, and we're going to take the the boxes that are on our Instagram. We're going to break them, and whoever is in the certain seat that gets called, you win the card. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Brian Capel with us, creative director, Worlds of Sport. All right. Um, I know you have a lot to do here. Uh, you're pretty much going to be spending the night here overnight. It's really starting to take shape. Like, I can see the event. What will happen in the next 24 hours here? Ne- next 24 hours, we're going to get everything kind of buttoned up, and then a lot of the, the smaller sponsors are going to come in and kind of set their areas, and then we're going to be show ready. I mean, we're going to be ready to roll come, like, 9 a.m. before the do- you know, an hour before the doors open. We're going to be ready to roll in here, and it's just going to be energy. I mean, we're, I'm going to go around to each individual activation and get everybody pumped up because I want this place to just sound like it is just alive. And DJ, there'll be a you, you're yeah. impo- you wait, you're bringing a DJ in from Miami? From Miami, yep. DJ Sabotage is going to be spinning in between the uh, the panel talks and stuff like that, so we're going to have I don't know that I can say DJ Sabotage and sound as cool as you just did. <laughs> He's a good guy. I mean, trust me, when you meet him, yeah. you'll be able to drop it, and you'll be like, all right, yeah. I'm... Me and the DJ are going to become friends. You, um, you and DJ Sabo yeah. are going to be on it, yeah. <laughs> he's he's solid dude. We couldn't find a DJ here? Like, we had to go to Miami for a DJ? And you know what? So here's the thing is that, again, I travel around a lot, and there, there's, there's like, you, you got to call in a couple favors, especially when you have, like, a first-year, yeah. first-of-its-kind event, right, where it's not, like, something that you could be like, oh, we're going to do Comic-Con, and everybody is like, I know what Comic-Con is. You know, when you're like, oh, we're going to do Worlds of Sport. You've never heard of it. It's never happened. You know, you got to call in some yeah. favors on some things. I noticed that because when I started talking about it and telling people about it, they they um, they were wrestling with the concept. Yep. And I think I settled on just saying, like, Dr. James Beckett, who I had a conversation with about this event, he says, it's like Disneyland for a sports fan. Yep. And I was like, that's it? Yeah. Because you would never, like, if you never knew what Disneyland was, you would never be able to, yeah. you know. And I think that's the thing is I, I think that, that, you know, you and I have talked about it a ton. You know, so we know what it is. We get it. But, yeah, that, that kind of quick glean of, of looking at it and going, yeah, what is this? I don't understand what's going on there. You know, and, and literally saying to people, well, it's a little bit of everything. And it's like, well, that's not really going to no. help, you know, push it across the end zone. So it, it's, it is. It, it's a little bit of an uphill slog because you're like, you know, this is something totally new. We're, we're doing something in an equation of things that have been done before, but it's never been done in sport. And I think that's that's the opportunity that we had to really kind of take it and go, okay, if we're going to do this, what are the things that we're going to do that's going to be different from everything else? You know, and what are, the, what are the, the experiences that you can have that people, you know, often talk about and are just like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. You know, I mean, it's funny. A lot of the card dealers that I talk to, they're like, yeah, you're going to be able to get a beer and walk around and look at cards. And you would think that I just like opened the gates of heaven to them because they're just like, wait, I can have a beer have and a, look at and cards. Wait till they get a load of DJ sabotage. Sabotage, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> again, you're just—I mean, the pearly gates. Here we come. I mean, it, it's just fantastic. So yeah, I think that that's the thing is is the the small but mighty team. I think that was used a couple of days ago to describe us. The small but mighty team that we've got working on this is driven by a bunch of people who understand what the end game is. And I think that's what we've kind of has led us through every decision that we've made as far as how we're putting this together is to get to that point of, yeah, it's new. It's totally different. It's going to seem familiar in spots, but you're going to be able to do these things that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Uh, what I have loved in, in just in today and being in this building is watching the reaction of the crews that are setting up yeah. as they start to see – Terry Baker's Heisman Trophy, the Bill Walton statue, the Blazers basketball court going in, the goalposts. One of the security guards came over to me and he goes, 
how many days is this going for? And I said, it's Saturday, Sunday. And he's like, I'm coming back because he, he's like, he goes, this is in my wheelhouse. I'm a sports fan. Yeah. So I'm telling you, when you see it, you're going to want to come back. You're going to want to come back next year, and you're going to want to tell your friends about it. And it is historic. I have never – I've been here 20 years. I have not seen the Blazers, the Ducks, the Beavers, the, you know, Portland State, UP, uh, as part of the panel discussions. I've not seen the Winterhawks, the Hops, the Timbers, and the Thorns all in one place, BK. Yep. yep. Oh, it's amazing. It's am- again, I, I think it's, it's a tip of the hat to not only the, the Portland sports scene, but the belief in the, the partners that we have that could see the vision and be like, no, we want to be a part of this. Because I think that's huge. I, I think that the, the buy-in on, hey, you know what, let's all get together after so long of being apart, find a little common ground and get really excited about things. I think that, 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 that to me is a great message right there. Brian Capel is the creative director of Worlds of Sport. Also uh, that, that other thing called the College Football Playoff. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Absolutely. No, thank you. This has been great, and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, – you know, we finish it up tonight and then, you know, polish it off tomorrow and then it's go time. I can't wait. We've got a four-pack of tickets courtesy of Dutch Bros. We want to give away to a family. 503-417-7575. Who wants to come to Worlds of Sport? Worldsofsport.com if you want to get tickets yourself. But we'll go caller four at 503-417-7575. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, some news today in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Seattle getting a World Cup. Talk about the legacy of Paul Allen living on a little bit. Probably an underrated part of his legacy. Think about this. Uh, Seahawks Stadium, unlike a lot of NFL stadiums, was built in a way that it could hold a regulation soccer field. Some other stadiums cannot do that. Some of the college stadiums that we have in this state cannot do that. But Seattle is now hosting some games in the 2026 World Cup. And uh, Paul Allen was asked about this in 2000, I think it was 2002 or so, July of 2002. He did an interview with the Seattle PI at the time. He was asked about building the stadium. And he said, quote, we're excited about soccer. The facility is designed for soccer. He also saw the ability to hold concerts there and football. So, you know, if you want to uh, talk about legacy of Paul Allen, you got an opportunity here to kind of talk about the fact that, the you know, they're going to get some World Cup games in Seattle, and that would not have been possible had that stadium or the people involved with that stadium project not had the foresight to think, you know what, let's make sure that you can, you can play soccer inside this stadium. So it's I think it's a terrific opportunity for people in the Northwest. A lot of people excited about that. As uh, we look at the World Cup coming to the Pacific Northwest, at least some games in the World Cup coming to the Pacific Northwest. They'll, they'll host games in 2026 as part of the World Cup. Anna's popped back into the studio. 
We are broadcasting today from the Oregon Convention Center. Forgive the noise in the background. I think it adds some atmosphere. They are currently constructing the stage, the main stage, that will be part of this event on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Anna, you got a chance earlier in the show to hear Alex Molden talk about Tom Brady. This is something we have talked about a lot on this show. Tom Brady coming back. Um, got a little different perspective from Molden there. Yeah, and <laughs> I love the ideas that you've come up with on why you think he's come back. He just doesn't like to be home, take out the trash, babysit the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, I think about all that stuff in my regular day. Like yeah. when I was taking the trash cans out on Tuesday, Tuesday night's the trash night, I was taking them out to the curb, and I thought, you know what, I'd rather be in an NFL training camp <laughs> than, than carrying these trash cans <laughs> all the way out to the curb. Or... Or when the kids, you know, I love our kids, but there's some days you love them more than others. You know what I mean? <laughs> they are easier some days yeah. than others. But, I mean, I wonder how many of us can relate to the notion that, you know, it's just hard to step away from something that you love. Like, if you're so competitive like Tom Brady, and to watch it go on without you is actually painful, then... You know, I think a lot of people maybe are in that boat as they're talking about retirement or you see people that work, you know, well past an age at which they should be working because they just have a passion for what they do. Yeah, I think, too, you know, I'll, I'll just relate a little bit to this because, you know, I made a big leap a few months ago. I left uh, the newspaper and I decided that I was going to go rogue. I was going to go on my own. JohnConzano.com is where you can read me. There was a part of that that was a little scary. Yeah. Because, and it wasn't like fear like you're on top of a bridge and you're bungee jumping fear. It was more just, this is what I've done. I've done this thing for 20 years. This is, it kind of becomes part of your identity. And I think in a lot of ways, just making a leap like that was good for me. Because I, I have thought about this. If I, I was just not going to be one of those people that works somewhere 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't. I've never been that person. But but there was part there's part of your identity that gets wrapped up into it. You were uh, on local TV news anchoring and reporting for for like two decades. Was that hard for you to go? You know what? I want to go do something else. Um, it wasn't. But I knew that I also wanted to continue using the skills that I had acquired over two decades and even the school that I had gone to to try and learn how to become a reporter. So it was hard just to set that down. And in fact, I didn't. It's why. You know, shortly after I launched that expert show um, so that I could continue uh, doing on-air stuff and interviewing people and bringing good content to the world. So I, I do relate to that aspect of it because I, I love what I do. I continue to love it, and it's it's really kind of hard to set that aside. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, anytime you do something for a long time, I think you get, you kind I don't want to say you get in a rut, but you get in a routine. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got to wonder on television, like local TV news. OK, let's say you're anchoring on the weekend. House fires, accidents, mayhem. Did you ever have a hard time kind of keeping psychologically tuned in? Like, I don't know the answer to this. Like, or was that does it take a psychological toll when you're talking about bad news all the time? I think it does. Um, I think the thing that keeps you going is that there are always good stories to tell about people like that's what I'm in it for and what's what I'm still in it for like I just find people so fascinating and you know one of the reasons I wanted to continue interviewing people was because 
experts in their fields have so much knowledge about whatever it is that they have devoted their life to becoming an expert at. And I personally find that intriguing when you can interview somebody and learn so much, you know, stuff that you didn't know about whatever it is that they know. Like, I, I love to pick people's brains, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, th this has been, for people who are reading me right now at johnconzano.com, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people who go, it, it, it looks like you're having fun. But the truth is, like, I'm getting to write about the things I want to write about, and that's what I write about that day. And I, so I think it comes off that way. Like, I'm really enjoying myself. It does. It does come off that does way. Does it? That's the feedback Am that I, you're getting. Yeah, but, is, but, are, but are you seeing that? Am I more joyful to be around? <laughs> I think you are. Am I having more fun? Somebody yeah. tell me. I think you are having more fun. I'm really distracted because I'm sitting like seven feet away from this Heisman Trophy yeah. that once belonged to Terry Baker. That's it. It still belongs to Terry Baker. It still Baker. belongs to Terry no, Baker. No, you can't take a Heisman away from someone except if it's Reggie Bush. That's true. Okay. Right, right. And I, I didn't even know as it was being walked in today by the folks with the Oregon Historical Society no, and the Oregon, it's the Oregon Sports, Sports Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, that close. That I didn't even know it was the real Heisman. That's how dumb I am. They had to tell me, like, hey, this is the real thing. And now I'm just standing in awe of it because it's in a case now. There's a picture of, you know, Terry Baker in the cover of Sports Illustrated, and there's a plaque explaining. It's just so I'm, – I'm, I'm really – did you see that I that I kidnapped it for a while? I did. Yeah. I I had Judah. You're gonna love this. <laughs> so the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame people brought the Heisman over and they said, "Hey, we want to display it over here where you're broadcasting from." And I said, "That's great." And they had it on this this kind of uh, this little what was it like a cart? Like a wheeled cart. Like yeah. a cart that had yeah. wheels on it. Yeah. And so then they turned their backs and they walked away. <laughs> I took the trophy and I took it on a lap around the building. On that wheeled cart. And as I walked around, all the workers that were here, like there was like, at the time, there was probably about 100 people working in the building. Yeah. There might still be 100 people in the building. And everybody, they all stopped what they were doing when I came by, and they all wanted to pose for pictures with it. They were like, can I get a picture with it? Can I get a picture with it? It's like, they're like, they go, is that what I think it is? And I go, yep. Everybody knows what the Heisman Trophy is. Well, and there's going to be heavy security here throughout, you know, the next few days and through the weekend, because this thing's going to be watched like a hawk. You Along afraid? With Are the, you afraid somebody's going to nab it? It's is not going to happen. This is such the Anna comment right there. I'm just saying. Yeah, because you want people, you don't want that, some thieving mind who's listening yeah. to the show to be yeah. like, oh, I could get to the trophy. Yeah. yeah. Don't get any squirrely ideas because you're going to get yeah. tackled on your way in if you try to take nah, this. I, I, I did notice that they've got great security here. I yeah. feel like, and here's, a, I want to talk about something coming up in the next segment, okay? What? It's my, it might not be popular. Okay. There, I think... I think Portland has got getting a bad rap nationally. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean coming up next. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. All right, during the uh, last couple of years, um, our region's taken a beating. City of Portland's taken uh, taken some shots. I, I've had multiple people text me and say, "Are you okay? Are you on fire? Are you scared? Or do you feel safe?" Because they're watching images of downtown Portland. And look, um, 
you know, some of it is justified. Some of the criticism of Portland and leadership, it's justified. Like, it truly is. Like, you know, we can have that talk for another time. But I had an interesting uh, conversation with one of the workers that was setting up the stage here at the Oregon Convention Center. And I'm broadcasting today from the Oregon Convention Center. Uh, Worlds of sport going on here Saturday and Sunday. Um, And I had one of the uh, stage workers say, you know what? Tell people on air to have their own experience. Don't go, don't base their perception of downtown Portland or Portland or the area around the convention center or whatnot. Don't base it upon things they've heard or seen on television or whatnot. Let them have their own experience. I thought it was a really good point because, you know, as you, I came down here, I was outside the convention center. It's, you know, it was, it was fine, you know, and downtown Portland has got some issues, but I feel like we have taken an unfair hit when it comes to the perception of our city. We got work to do, but I don't think we've deserved some of the criticism that we have received nationally. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that this event is so cool because I think there's buy-in from so many different entities that care about our region, who want and care about the future of the city of Portland and beyond. Like, it's companies like Portland Gear that so clearly care about the city and where it's headed and want something positive to come out of this weekend. And... um, you know, I, I know that, that, that that's one of the reasons that there, there's been so much buy-in because we have taken a hit as a region. We have been featured on cable news networks as the city would, that was on fire. And uh, those issues are being addressed in different ways. But how great is it that there's all these different entities like Oregon State and the Blazers and University of Oregon and, you know, Rex Paddleball, uh, Pickleball, and all these different groups that are coming together to say, hey, let's have a positive event that we can celebrate as a region. I had had a conversation with Columbia CEO Tim Boyle, who I want to get on the show. I asked him yesterday if he'd come on the show. He's out of town. But he, I went to see him early in the pandemic, and... We were, you know, I was writing about Major League Baseball to Portland, and I had obtained an email correspondence between Craig Cheek, who is uh, the managing partner of the Portland Diamond Project, and Mayor Ted Wheeler. And Cheek was complaining to Wheeler about the downtown scene and how much that was hurting the effort to try to get MLB to PDX. And I ended up writing a column about it. Tim Boyle sent me an email, and he says, we kind of see this the same way. But I was sort of calling upon private businesses and private individuals, you, me, uh, you know, not, not the city, not, you know, we can't sit around and wait for the city all the time to, to change things and clean the city up. Like, we can't totally do that. Yes, you need buy-in from city officials, but sometimes it's got to be us rolling our sleeves up and doing something. I ended up over at Columbia having a conversation with Tim Boyle, and we start talking about this event. And he said, Columbia doesn't need an event in Portland. Everybody knows Columbia. You don't need to market this, this to this audience. But he said, I don't want people to walk into the Oregon Convention Center and see a great event and not see Columbia there. 
it was a tremendous source of pride for him. And that's amazing. I, I mean, that's that's leadership right there. And I can see the Columbia folks uh, setting up their activation. Like, they're all in. They're going to be here at the event and showcasing. And you're right. They don't have to be here. They're a global company. But that's another entity that really cares about the city and wants to be present here. So I think that's amazing. I, I got the same response from Joth Ricci, the CEO of Dutch Bros. He, you know, he was like, tell me about this event. And he was like, you know, hey, you, you're, uh, you're speaking to the sweet spot now uh, with Dutch Bros. And he said, you know what, uh, we'd like to make sure that the event is accessible for kids. And accessible maybe uh, for some families that, that don't have an opportunity to, to go buy tickets. And so Dutch Bros is doing the same damn thing. Dutch Bros doesn't need to market, but they're here. Portland Gear's here. Columbia's here. They're here because I think they love... Portland. They love the region. And 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 as we all should. I mean, this is where we live. So what people think about it really is uh, incumbent upon us and how much we're willing to invest yeah. and talk about it and come together. Like one of the things that excites me watching everything go up right now around us, literally uh, in this 90,000 square feet of space, is the notion that people can come together again. Like we've all been so isolated in the last couple of years. And I don't know about you, but like, I don't feel like we're all back to normal per se yet. Like mentally, we've been so isolated. We've been in homes. We haven't been able to gather and connect as a community in the ways that we've been accustomed to doing. And so this is a chance for people to get out and come together and celebrate the great sports. Like when you look at all the different sports organizations that are right here in our backyard, I mean, I think it's incredible, and we all know the value of sports and what they can bring to our lives in terms of just moving, like movement, getting physical, and how that helps your mental health, and what it teaches our kids when it comes to overcoming obstacles and building resilience and dealing with adversity and working in teams. Like, this is all great stuff. I, I know I sound really Pollyanna, and I'm like riding the high of yeah. everything that's happening, but it's true. I, yeah, and I feel like, um, you know, people people don't know this, but, you know, in the early stages, I was talking to the, to, the, to the creatives that were putting this event together, and they were getting some, they were getting overtures from other cities. Hey, move the event to L.A. Put it during the week before Super Bowl in L.A. And I was like, oh, don't let that happen. Like, this event belongs in Portland. And, it, and I, my... My, my hope for this event is that people come and check it out over the weekend and they come back next year and then 20 years from now, you know, it, it, it continues to be a community event where families come together and everybody knows. Put that one on the calendar. Uh, you know, we're going to go check out Worlds of Sport. Go to worldsofsport.com if you want to get tickets. More ahead. you got the bald face truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Tonight, Warriors Celtics, Game 6. Golden State leads the best of seven series, three games to two. Boston at home tonight. 
Who wins game six? Judah Newby, who wins game six? I keep talking about this uh, in my head and uh, boring my wife with my thoughts, but... It makes too much sense. It makes too much sense for Boston to win, so I'm picking the Warriors, actually. I think they finish it on the on the road floor. You know, Tim Donaghy was on the show, and, you know, you're totally right. I mean, how can the NBA want anything less than a Game 7, Father's Day night, San Francisco? You know, that's an extra, I think... You, you talked about it. Wasn't it close to like another $10 million almost? $7 million a game at <laughs> least. Come yeah. on now. You don't think uh, who was officiating the game tonight doesn't know that. And yeah, it, all, it makes all the sense in the world for the Celtics to win Force Game 7, and it makes too much sense. So I think Steph goes off. He wins MVP. He has a 40-burger like he did in Game 4. Warriors finish it tonight. Wow, you think it's over tonight. I actually think Boston's going to win. You're doing George Costanza. Do the opposite. <laughs> I'm not Penske and- material, John. You, <laughs> Anna, who wins? Oh, uh, I think the Warriors might do this. I think, um, you know, like ESPN, their basketball power index shows that after five games, the Warriors have a slight edge to win the NBA Finals. You are sounding like somebody who doesn't understand sports. Right I know. Now. Yeah. I'm just trying. tell me who you think's gonna win. I think the Warriors are gonna. And win. here's here's what all this is. This is a tutorial for anybody listening who is saying, "Well, you know, I'm really not that much into it." Just sound like you're convincing, and everybody will be like, "Oh, she really feels that. She's really, <laughs> she's really locked in there." It's sports. I'm not it's, convinced about. That's what Stephen A. Smith does. Anything. <laughs> you know. You're he right just kind of yeah. Yeah, he just you know sound convincing. Therefore, people will believe. Well, he really believes that, so it must be true. Um, I think I think Boston's going to win this one just because I don't I don't I think Boston's got something I think, you know I think they have uh, they have uh, you know I think they've got strong hearts like I I think they're going to be at home, they're going to be in front of their home crowd. I'm not sounding very convincing, am I? Let me <laughs> let me just go back. Yeah, take some points. of your own advice. Let me, <laughs> let me just go back and say this again. I like Boston in Game Six. You know why? Because Boston's already proven they can win in this series. They've won two games. Their backs are against the wall. I think the Warriors are human. I think the Warriors know they have a mulligan here. They have one to give. And I think they will go back to Chase Center and win this series. But I think this is a this is a face-saving game for the Boston Celtics and their fan base. So I do, I do like Boston to win this one. But I love that Judah went into George Costanza. Do the opposite. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. That's Judah Newby right there. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the only George Costanza Judah Newby parallel you can go with. The hairline. Oh, let's is, go down that path. The hairline is getting toward George. Uh, George. George Place too, as well. You're kind of like me. Like, all right, you got a beautiful baby daughter. You, you know, you're you're recently married. You, uh, you know, you, but you got nobody to really talk diehard sports with. <laughs> I have often spun this, Judah. This is what I tell people because I have three daughters and Anna. And Anna likes sports, but she doesn't, you know, she, you're not going to sit here and break down the box score with me. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I do find that our middle daughter 
is more inclined to watch an NFL game with me than anybody else. Uh-huh. Like, she's just into it. She's yeah. into kind of – it makes sense to her. You have four plays to get 10 yards. She gets that. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, I have told people it's refreshing to not have to go home and talk sports all the time because I do that in my profession. Are you yet spinning it that way? I uh, no, not totally. I need my show. I need my own show, and then I'll feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably there. You go. Anyway. <laughs> you know, being uh, the number two guy here every other week is just not enough uh, leg stretching for me. That therefore, my wife gets the rest of it. Uh, yeah, much to her. Well, she supports it, but sometimes her chagrin. She does tell me from time to time. She's like, "Sweetheart, like you say things sometimes, and I've got no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> what? No and she's a, she's a pharmacist. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's very smart, way smarter than me. That's for all right. Sure. Does she talk to you about pharmacy? What yeah. does that sound like? Oh man, I didn't know what the phrase "eyes glaze over" meant until <laughs> I listened to just a typical day for her, you know. And I've learned a lot about pharmacy in the meantime. But uh, yeah, you know, you talk about people uh, doing their work, some people holding jackhammers. You know, this this is supposed to be an escape for those people. It's an escape for pharmacists as well. Lord knows how much they have to put up with and how much, uh, you know, real life uh, decisions they have to make for people all the time. So be nice to your pharmacists out there. I know it's one of the more frustrating places to be sometimes for customers. A lot can go wrong at the pharmacy, but be nice to them. Uh, chances are it's probably the doctor that made the mistake and not the pharmacist. <laughs> Look at public wow. service announcement. Yeah. Yeah. Does she wear her pharmacy coat around the house and boss you around? Because those pharmacists <laughs> are powerful. You go to the pharmacy... Everybody's standing in line. Everybody's behaving well. Everybody, you know, they got their hands at their sides. It says, stay six feet from the next person. Everybody honors that. Yeah. Like, you know, that person can make your day very difficult if they don't like you. Does she put on the pharmacy coat and order you around? So, you know, sometimes she gets in that order mode, you know, just who, who she is. And I swear I see a white coat on her when she's in that mode, but she's not actually wearing the white coat. You're just you're <laughs> hallucinating like, it? Oh, my God. It's like my doctor right now telling me what to do because, you know, that's what she gets to do. She is my doctor in so many ways. Uh, she doesn't really wear it around the house uh, recreationally just when she's going and uh, leaving uh, work. Does she get yeah. phone calls from friends who will go... Hey, is it okay to do this dosage? Because I, I get friends who want to know about sports all the time. And then I also have a friend who's a doctor. He gets people <laughs> blowing him up on the weekend going, oh, my kid fell down, got a bump on her head. Should I go to the ER? Does your wife fall into like pharmacy 1-800-PHARMACIST on, on the weekends? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For, for definitely a family, you know, they'll, they'll talk things out and she'll give her input. Uh, does your neighbor who's a brain surgeon, does yeah. his, do, do people hit him up and like, oh, my brain's kind of hurting. Could you take a look oh, yeah, and see yeah. what's going on? They also don't understand. He's a neurosurgeon. Okay. I made the mistake. We had this little, we had this little Christmas party one time and he was over and I'm like, oh, I got a chance to talk to like somebody who's like you know, brain, I'm talking to a brain surgeon. Brain right? guy, a brain so, guy. So I said, I, I, somebody else was standing nearby, and I introduced him, and I said, here's my neighbor, Stan. He's a uh, neurologist. Oh. And he was quick to correct me. <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, neurosurgeon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, sorry. I understand, like, there's a neurologist, but apparently the brain surgeon is at the top of the heap. Yeah. You know, it's Top not like he's a water. rocket scientist, but he's a brain surgeon. <laughs> it's close. It's very close. Is he the smartest friend you have besides your wife? Mm, I got a pastor friend who I think is uh, who is brilliant. He was listening to the show earlier. 
He literally texted me and he said, because we were talking about Portland and bringing people back, he texted me and he said, great job asking Portland to be Portland again. Nice. That that's, kind that's of that kind right of smart. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> that kind of smart, you get it. So 5 o'clock hour, the 5 at 5 is coming up. We'll try to smart it up for our Smarty Pants listeners. If you're a neurosurgeon or a rocket scientist or just a Mensa member, uh, a lowly Mensa member, you can stick around. Or We're going to give you the Wonderlic, five Wonderlic most champion. Yeah, Wonderlick. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did well in the Wonderlick. That's my claim right there. <laughs> you bombed the Mensa test. Yeah, though. pretty much. Yeah, George Costanza. If, if you uh, want to hear the five biggest things going on in sports, we're going to give them to you coming up. I promise you, it'll be entertaining. It'll be informative. You'll learn something. You'll leave it smarter than you found it. And uh, we got a bunch ahead. You got the bald face truth statewide. I appreciate everybody who's here for this radio show. Make it what it is. It wouldn't be the same without you. I would just be a crazy person talking to myself. You got the bald face truth. I want you to leave it right here statewide on the radio network. BFFT. Here's John Canzano with the bald face truth. Coming up, uh, 5 o'clock hour, it's the happy hour. I'm going to tell you this hour why we don't talk politics on this show. So I'll talk politics without talking politics. We'll also talk about the biggest stories in sports. We'll play some punch it audio. Anna and I are currently broadcasting, not from home, not from the home studio, but we are at the Oregon Convention Center, where Worlds of Sport will be taking place this weekend. Saturday and Sunday, Oregon Convention Center, 90,000 square feet of sports celebration. I hope you check it out. It's going to be pretty damn cool. I can see it now as it takes shape. Blazers, Ducks, Beavers, Winterhawks, Thorns and Timbers, soccer pitch right here in the middle of the convention center. Blazers put up a basketball court. It'll be historic. It'll be the first time that all of those brands have been in the same place at the same time. Like people used to say, you ever seen uh, Blaze the Trail Cat and uh, Barley in the same place? And you go, no, I haven't. Well, you might see them here at the Oregon Convention Center, part of Worlds of Sport. Anna and I are going to give you the five at five. We're going to talk about why we don't talk about politics. Hopefully, we'll make you smarter. Let's do it. Giddy up. The Five at Five. Well, I mentioned uh, earlier that the World Cup, in part, is coming to Seattle. Not the entire World Cup, but Seattle's going to get some World Cup games. So if you are a sports fan who loves soccer, well, Seattle's, Seattle's been named one of the host cities for FIFA World Cup 26. Give some credit to Paul Allen, former Blazers owner, former Seahawks owner. He had the foresight to make sure that the Seahawks stadium could facilitate a soccer pitch. And because of that, the city of Seattle is going to get part of the World Cup. This is the biggest sporting event on the globe. Crowns a world champion every four years. Seattle put its bid together, and it came through today. So the uh, it's a big deal for the city of Seattle. It's a big deal for the Pacific Northwest. 
This is the first World Cup tournament that will feature an expanded field of 48 international teams. There will be 60 matches played in the United States. And Lumen Field, that's what, is that what they're calling it now, Judah? Lumen Field? Lumen Field, that's correct. Lumen Field will be getting some World Cup games. That's number one in our five at five. Hannah's got number two. Uh, a different cup, the Stanley, Cl Stanley Cup. Avalanche taking on the Lightning last night in game one of the series. The Avs went 1-0 in overtime. And guess who was there? Who was there? Russell Wilson. Oh, boy. And his wife and the kids. It was like family date night cheering on their new team since they've now moved to Colorado. Avalanche in overtime. That game delivered. Like, everybody was looking at the the uh, excuse me the Stanley Cup and going, hey, this was the matchup everybody wanted. It actually delivered. It was one of those rare occasions when all the buildup and all the excitement. Colorado with a 1-0 lead in the best of seven series. I've got number three in our five at five. Number three in our five at five, Golden State and Boston. We'll be tipping off on ABC at 6 o'clock, just about an hour from now. Warriors at the Celtics. Boston is a four-point favorite tonight at home. Now, look, if Boston loses this game, I still think the narrative on this season for the Celtics is a positive one. But there's something about rolling over that doesn't suit Ime Yodoka's team. It doesn't suit it. I, I don't see the Boston Celtics rolling over here in, in this pivotal game six. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a seven-game series. I think it's kind of what the uh, we uh, it was alluded to yesterday as Tim Donahue, the former NBA official, talked about the NBA's view on seven-game series. I think uh, Donahue and the NBA and the officials and the Warriors and the Celtics, I think everybody knows a game seven would be great for the game. And I think psychologically we end up with a game seven. Anna. I think this story is interesting. Jerry Jones is ripping the mayor of Dallas, Eric Johnson, for suggesting that Dallas needs a new NFL team, the LA Chargers. Jones, of course, saying that it would have a huge negative effect on the beloved Cowboys since, you know, he bought that team back in 1989. He's saying he likes the mayor, but that he doesn't have depth and that he doesn't have the knowledge that others have regarding how unique Dallas is and how we enjoy the interest in the Cowboys but interesting that the mayor of Dallas wants another team wants another team he's saying southern Dallas is the fresh start that the Chargers need he's even suggesting several sites he's he's greedy he's <laughs> that guy's greedy you got you got the Dallas Cowboys dude I know throw, throw some other city a bone He's saying they would, there's ideal locations for a state-of-the-art practice facility and world headquarters or a stadium. Yeah. Wow. The funnier thing would be is if the mayor of Dallas had come out and said, we need an NFL team. <laughs> this thing Jerry Jones has going doesn't cut it. Yeah, those little uh, I cowboys. I think that's part of leadership is to have some of the guys that have gone before that uh, have been disappointed uh, to share it with everybody involved. For me, it's a reminder. I, too, have been here 23 years. 
And uh, it is a reminder, I've been here when it was glory hole days, and I've been here when it wasn't. And so having said that, uh, uh, I want me some glory hole. <laughs> so I have that perspective. That's what happens when you put a microphone in front of a aging billionaire. That guy owns a team that's worth $6.5 billion, the NFL's highest value team. But he recently said he could sell that team for $10 billion if he wished. I want me some glory hope. That guy. <laughs> that guy. Jerry. Uh, Jerry, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> We're so mature. Uh, but I think he's an oil guy. Yeah. I think he's referring to, like, when they hit oil. Yeah. And then it spouts oil. Yeah. But he, in his vernacular, <laughs> didn't quite get it right as he was. I want me some glory hope. <laughs> Is this Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones? Which, who do we have here? Grow up, John. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get emails already. Uh, I might as well make it count. I'm telling you. I'll get an email. Here's what the email. Save your email. Here's what your email is going to say. Your email is going to say, you know what? Your sh I listen to your show because it's highbrow. Okay? And uh, my retort to that is going to be, we're after 5 o'clock. Okay? This is, uh, this is permissible. Finally, Phil Mickelson's in a little bit of trouble, but not the kind of trouble he's been in lately. He found some new trouble. The six-time major champion... Um, may only get to play 36 holes at the U.S. Open this week. That's right. In the first round of the U.S. Open, he was 8 over, 70-80 shot. He's in, a, he's in a tie for 144th place. This is not good. I want me some glory hope. <laughs> Mickelson had bogeys on three of the first five holes. He also four-putted from 12 feet for a do double bogey on the par 3 sixth. Phil Mickelson, unless he gets a really good round tomorrow in the second round, he will miss the cut and miss the weekend in his 31st U.S. Open. By the way, uh, he's trying to become only the sixth person ever to complete the career Grand Slam. Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, Gene Sarazen were the others. Mickelson has been a runner-up at the U.S. Open six times. That's the five at five. Um, yep, there you go. <laughs> Did have a, uh, a caller call in about the glory hole comment. Yeah. Already? Yeah, apparently it is a mining term. It, it, it's, uh, it's actually... No. Glory hole is... <laughs> Hold on. <clears throat> glory I want me some glory hole. <laughs> exactly. Apparently, it describes a mining effort that's very productive. Oh. What, so when you hit, when you strike oil, you yell, glory hole. <laughs> no? <laughs> Correct. But, don't, but yes. don't do it in public. Right. <laughs> Frowned upon in public. I'm just amazed they called in so quickly. Do they have that number on speed dial? Yeah. Well, One of our great listeners uh, down in Springfield. But we're also, I'm going to tell you, I'm also going to get emails with people telling me they're upset that I said that. But I didn't say it. Jerry Jones said it. Right. Exactly. Okay? I didn't say that. 
Jerry Jones said that. Um, <laughs> coming up, uh, I'm going to put Anna on the spot. Uh -oh. I guarantee it. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I wrote a column today at johnconzano.com in which I said, you know what, I get it. You, you want me to stick to sports, and I understand why. I want to talk about this for a second. Also, I, uh, I'm going to ask Anna. I'm going to put her on the spot here momentarily. She does not know what I'm going to talk about. But I recognize that this radio show is an escape for you. Like, it's, it should be ideally an escape. We, you know, we, we interview coaches and athletes. We talk about sports. We talk about fun things. We talk about the people involved in them. This is not a radio show about inflation. This is not a radio show about the war in Ukraine. I am not holding a jackhammer for a living. I am broadcasting from the Oregon Convention Center. and You can hear the roar of a truck that is about to pass by me inside the convention center. But what I'm saying is, like, I know you're coming here looking for a, a break. Like, you're trying to get away from your job, a bad boss, a tough day, taxes, sick kids. So I'm mindful of that. I also have political views, but I don't think that you're interested in them. I don't think that's why you're coming to this show. I vote. I care. I hope you vote, and you care too. That's as far as it's going to go on the political front. I have grown exhausted in the last few years, especially in the early part of the pandemic, when our sports landscape got infiltrated by voices um, who were working really hard to get their politics to you. And my, my hunch on that is that sports was one of the last places where people with dissenting political stances gathered. You would cheer and gather side by side with people who you didn't agree with politically but you were cheering for something else. Like, you know, this was supposed to be a sacred place, a place you could escape. I don't know if it sounds Pollyanna, but I would like to maintain this space, this radio show, as an escape for you. It should be like a beach. You should have a Mai Tai. Have your feet up. Read a book. Put some sand between your toes. And not have to come here and hear a bunch of political nonsense. This isn't why you're here. And, and I have changed that stance over the years because I used to believe, hey, I'm a person. I got viewpoints outside of sports. What do you mean? Stay in my lane. Stick to sports. But I kind of get it now. You don't want to go into a Mexican restaurant and order a hamburger. You don't want to, uh, you know, you don't go to go to have a deep conversation in the library. You know, it's this radio show has to be an escape. There are social viewpoints I have, and I think a lot of people – uh, mistake social for political and maybe they bleed together but I would like to maintain this radio show as a mostly politically free place to be am I being Pollyanna Anna no I think it's refreshing I think everybody needs a break from the politics of the day you know I think they need a place to go to not think about that and get away from it and just be entertained and you're right enjoy sports I'm thinking about that as I'm you know looking around here and you're right sports um, is the one venue the one area where we can actually get together and root for teams despite whatever our political leanings are yeah I just think it has to be and look I've got social viewpoints like I think we should be uh, paying teachers more 
I'm worried about umpires. There's a real shortage of umpires and officials in sports, and we're treating umpires in youth sports poorly. You know, there was a case recently with an umpire who was assaulted, another umpire assaulted. And I'm like, at what point are we going to end up with nobody umpiring games anymore? Mm -hmm. So I also think uh, I'm disappointed with the uh, the LIV tournament, but I don't see that as a political stance. To me, that's social. But you know, I have a problem, you know, socially with what is going on here. You know, and I and I get it. That's a fine line to walk. But I don't want to sit here and you know, I I, I am I remain deeply disturbed by what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't see that as a political issue. I've had people write me and go, this is a political issue and here's why. That's fine. We can have that debate on email. But I don't want on this radio show it to turn into that because I think there's enough ground to cover on this show in the social realm as human beings where we don't have to make it political. Yeah, that's probably wise and, and a good reason for people to want to tune in because we get enough of it in other parts of our life. And if you are somebody who, hey, I, you know, Kanzano, I just need to know your politics, email me. We can have a political discussion uh, via email. But I just think I always tell the staff members on the show and the interns when they first come in, I'll say to them, hey, don't, I don't want you coming on air and saying I'm tired or my back hurts or my feet hurt. Or whatever. If we're doing a topic and it happens to be about, you know, let's bellyache about something, that's different. But I'm just saying as a general theme, this show should be an escape for people who are escaping their back hurting and being tired. We're all tired. But nobody needs to talk about it. I don't care about your <laughs> fantasy league team. And I don't care how you, know, you got a bad night of sleep last night. You know, nobody wants to hear that. The you listeners don't care don't... about somebody's fantasy league team. No, I don't. <laughs> It's one of the big. It's one of the biggest problems. Do people want to talk to you all the time yes. about their fantasy? League yes, team? they want to know who they should start. And they email me. <laughs> who should I start? Here's my dilemma, and I got to be honest with you. I look at it and I'm like, man, this is what you. This is your issue. They ask you too, like who to bet on, like if there's a UFC yeah. fight or something like yeah. that. They're like, who who should I put my money on? Well, sometimes I do have feelings about events like i you know sometimes like tonight i i really like boston in this game six i think boston's going to show up i'm not sure if Golden state's going to show up so i like i like boston in this game tonight if you're going to bet yeah i would i would lean boston but i uh you know there with fantasy league it's it's like a finger your team's a fingerprint like it's unique to you mm-hmm we can't all relate to this. So I used to dread, back in the day, we would have these uh, segments of radio where we talk about fan We got a fantasy league expert on to answer questions about your fantasy league oh, team. Oh, wow. And you got like a million people who want to call in. It's really cool yeah. because it's a public service and a million people are going, who should I start? You know, do I start <laughs> this person or that person? But the problem is everybody else listening, nobody gives a rip. No one cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Lame. Nobody cares about your fantasy league team. That that's the theme of today's show. All right, now I want to put you on the spot. Okay. Oh, great. Because we were talking about Jerry Jones. Yeah. And people, I'm sure, are going to uh, call in and be upset over this. I want me some glory hole. Okay. So we find out that in fact this glory hole thing is about you know it's in the mining world. <laughs> You know, when you hit a big, uh, you know, big oil uh, rig, you know, hits a big oil strike, that's glory hole. I'm sure they all, a bunch of old 
Fogey millionaire, billionaire types are out in the middle of the oil field with their little hard hats on, all gathered up in a circle together, and they're all yelling, glory hole, glory hole. I'm sure they are. I'm sure that's what happens. But let me ask you, Anna. You're just using this as an excuse I know. to say it over and over again. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. I recall several years ago an issue, because I was lamenting how many people are going to email me saying, I heard your show. You should not have been playing that Jerry Jones cut. Yeah. It's offensive or yeah. whatever. Okay. Years ago. I think you and your news staff, I want to say it was a New Year's Eve. It was, yeah. yeah. It, it was a New Year's Eve. You know what I'm going to ask you about, uh, don't you? Yeah. I, I know where you're headed. And you guys are putting your newscast together, and Dick Clark and New Year's Rockin' Eve is about to, like, start after your newscast, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys chose a story to put on at the end of the newscast. Yeah. By the way, I love the end of the newscast where they do that little quirky story. Mm -hmm. The kicker? Yeah. Is that what it's called? That's a kicker. Okay. For the kicker tonight, you know, we got a story out of Peoria, Illinois. Yeah. Where, you know, it's Siamese twins. They got separated. <laughs> or, you know, right. long lost sisters who were separated at birth and they lived a block away. Yeah. The water skiing squirrel. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Okay. That yeah. stuff. But you chose, you guys chose a story that got you guys in hot water. Yeah, it wasn't the wisest decision. Talk about that. Well, we decided to end the year talking about the most read stories on the news station's website. So we like did a countdown, you know. Here are the top five stories that people were most interested in reading about this year. And I don't know why it didn't dawn on us that it was a bad idea, but um, number one most read story of that year was a story out of Enumclaw, Washington, where a man had died because this farm in Enumclaw was Grand Central for, um, well, bestiality. And he had his colon punctured by a horse. And that's how he died. And that's how we ended the newscast. We said, and that was the number one story of the year. Whoa. Happy New Year, everybody. Now on to Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Man, I, for, I didn't remember that it was that story. Yeah, that was the story. Okay, so you got a bunch of parents who are keeping their kids up to watch... Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Right, which we yeah, that's didn't, the problem. and that's the number one rule in entertainment, any kind of entertainment, is you got to know your audience. And I guess we didn't think about the audience on that particular night, so immediately the phone lines in the newsroom began ringing with really ticked-off parents who said, this is the one night of the year that I allow my kid to stay up until midnight to watch New Year's Rockin' Eve and to ring in the new year. Thanks very much. I now have to explain what bestiality is to my nine-year-old. Yeah, you deserve that. Yeah. And then we got called into the news director's office the following day, and we were, uh, you know, read the riot act, and we were lucky to get out of there with our jobs because... That was probably a fireable offense. That was rough. Yeah, it was rough. Well, you learn things, you know. You gotta, you gotta do better. My friends are now texting me, telling me to stop with the uh, talk about the Jerry Jones thing. Oh yeah. They say I'm above it. Yeah. I don't know if I am. Most of the time, but there are occasions when you sink below. There you go. Leave it here. You got the BFT. <laughs>
Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, what have we established on today's show? We've established that your fantasy league team is very important, but only to you. We've also established that this needs to be a politically free, it needs to be an amnesty zone. Can we just say that? No politics here when we uh, talk about this show. We, you can talk social issues, and it can get complicated if you do that. But I don't want to talk about a bunch of political stuff on this show. One thing I haven't touched on is a take that is uh, making rounds. Um, I was talking earlier about the umpire getting attacked. Um, I really am disappointed with with parents or coaches or whoever would go after a youth sports umpire. Give me a break. Like, get a grip if that's your thing. But I think all parents should have to umpire games. I like when they pull the parents out of the crowd and say, hey, we don't have a first base umpire. You need to get down there. should take the most boisterous, obnoxious, loud, offensive parent the parent who's yelling at the 15-year-old umpire, put that person out on the field. You umpire a little bit, bub, then get back to me. Uh, but one of the takes that has been making rounds, and we kind of brushed on it on yesterday's show, was the possible elimination of umpires behind the plate when it comes to balls and strikes. We've seen a lot of problems in Major League Baseball this season with hitters being frustrated with the strike zone. And it's probably... Uh, amplified or underscored by technology and the ability for us all to watch a broadcast, see if a ball is actually thrown for a strike, and then uh, share it on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and essentially, um, you know, show the world that umpire missed a strike. And yesterday we kicked this around, Judah, you know, is it the technology or is the umpiring worse now than maybe it used to be? And I think we sort of settled on the idea that it's actually technology and we're seeing it more often. But what do you do with people who go, we need to eliminate officials. We need to eliminate referees and umpires. Let the robots take over. We can no longer trust human beings to get calls right in games. We can't allow human beings to make judgment calls in sports. What do you do with that? I'm kind of intrigued by the the robot umpires. I'm not going to lie. Look, there have been plenty of moments as a play-by-play broadcaster where, you know, you've got a pretty good view of things, and the umpire you think has the best view of things, and yet he gets the call wrong, and sometimes he gets it really wrong. And you're like, you know what? robot wouldn't be so bad right about now you also mix in the you know legalization of uh, sports wagering there jc uh a decent amount can be at stake can be legally at stake for a lot of consumers based on the accuracy and inaccuracy of some of these calls so i do think there is a little bit of credence to the notion that we should go robot umpires i'm not all the way there yet with umpires and, and definitely not officials in general um, basketball, that's that would be impossible to automate. Uh, the NFL would be very, very hard to automate all the calls. Uh, maybe a handful, but I think that the human element is just going to be part of it. And as consumers and customers and viewers and even players, coaches, it's kind of on you to exercise a little bit more... Um, a little bit more grace and uh, just acceptance that that is part of the game for better or for worse. Yeah, I'm not there. I, I'm okay with bad calls. 
I'm okay with an umpire missing a call. Like, I don't want that to happen. But I'm okay if an umpire, you know, blows a call, one call, you know, misses a call, doesn't get something right. Like, I, I got to be okay with that, don't I? Like, in in some form or fashion that, you know, I, I recognize that the hitters aren't going to hit a home run every time. I recognize that, you know, sometimes they're going to strike out. Sometimes a fielder's going to botch a ground ball. We've seen, you know, an outfielder in in uh, in a college uh, regional game that that you know had a ball bounce off them and go over the fence for a home run. Like people make mistakes. I'm okay with the human element what of sports. About, what about really uh, really bad umpires? Like we're not talking like little calls every now and then. We're talking about every half inning. There's uh, there's not even a questionable call, but there's just a bad call. Like what do you do with that? I think you got to get a better umpire. I I don't want to throw out you know throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Like, I feel like you got to do a better job training your umpires. you got to do a better job of getting uh, the umpires to make the best calls possible. I actually think the officiating is often better than it's given credit for. Like, yeah. I, I think sometimes people nitpick it or, uh, you know, disparage it just because, you know, they expect perfection. I think, look, I, I'm okay. Like, the, the hitters are going to hit 300. The pitchers are not going to have a zero ERA. I'm not saying I want a guy to miss a call, but I'm okay with it being human. What do you think the hardest sport to officiate is? <laughs> I think uh, the NFL is going to be tough, depending on which position you are. I think the NBA would be really hard. I think it's really subjective. I think you can call fouls. Uh, I think the guys are so incredibly athletic that it defies – you know, your imagination sometimes. I think it would be really hard to be running up and down the court, being in the mix, watching the hand checking, and then determining what is a foul, what isn't a foul, and the ball's moving. I mean, you've got great athletes. You've got ball movement. You have a confined space. You have weird angles when you're officiating. You're always moving. You're never – like the home plate umpire, you're behind the catcher. You're going to miss calls because I think, you know, you're going to see a couple hundred – pitches you know might see 300 pitches in a game so you're going to miss some calls there in the nfl it depends like we've heard officials in the nfl say i could call a a penalty on every play and i believe that but i think it's the nba what about you i think i was gonna say the nba too and i was surprised by that but i watched game five the other well i've been watching all these finals and man i'm like i i I have a greater respect and it's funny because we want to rip officials all the time but I hardly ever see things accurately in real time when it comes to fouls and no fouls. Like, a lot of times I think guys are getting hacked on their way to the rim because they missed the shot, and then I look back at the replay and I was like, oh, no, it was clean, or it was good defense. But then again, JC, aren't there a ton of times where the uh, the official makes a really soft call and we're like, yeah, that's definitely not a foul on replay. Or the worst is where, you know, a guy misses a bunny at the rim, two seconds later his butt is on the ground, and then they call a foul, you know, two seconds after the shot gets missed. And I'm like, I don't like results-oriented officiating. Like, a foul should be a foul whether he makes a shot or not. I feel like they blow the whistle all the time after a miss. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you this. I One time I was at it was one of my first jobs. I was out at a high school girls basketball practice. And I was doing a feature story on a really good player. 
and they asked me, hey, would you mind uh, jumping into the drill? We're going to scrimmage. Here's a whistle. Would you mind calling fouls? So I got into the drill. Girls varsity high school basketball game. Scrimmage. I got in there. First trip down the court. As soon as the ball was passed inside, there's slapping, there's hands, there's pushing. People are reaching for the ball. I got to be honest with you. I wasn't prepared for it. And, and granted, I wasn't used to it. But I literally was like, I didn't call anything. And the player who had the ball in the key looked at me like, did you not see that? And and she's turning to go up the court, and I literally am like, I actually didn't see that. But if you're not used to calling it, if you're not around it all the time, I think you'd missed a ton of things. Yep, I can empathize with that. I definitely did a lot of officiating in uh, youth rec sports. You know, the worst was when I was asked to officiate, you know, youth soccer. And JC, I didn't know what offsides was. And I had these, like, (laughs) seven-year-old girls that were way offside. And here comes the pass. They're way past the back line of the defense. And uh, they take it. They score. And all the parents are like, that's offsides. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That was awesome. Clear Googling. Googling now. It's it's offside. Yeah, that that was pretty – that was a rough moment for me. Do you think hockey would be the hardest sport to ref? Because I I didn't think about hockey, but you'd have to skate. You'd have to get out of the way. Of the bodies and the pucks. And then, all of a sudden, it turns into a UFC fight. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good one. I think hockey would be really hard. You've got to be an all-out hockey guy to officiate that sport. without You can't be, like, you know, half in. You can't be casual hockey guy and expect to be a hockey official. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to know it inside and out. You've got to be a great skater. Do you skate at all? Uh, No. I mean, I can, but not on that level. Would you rather be an official for, like, you know, live-action sports like that or, like, a judge of, like, performance sports, like high-diving or gymnastics or, like, your judge? That's a racket, too. That's a racket, too, because what are they looking for? (laughs) Exactly. What is that? Just past vertical? What's vertical? Yeah, I... I, uh... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But we all become experts on it. We all become Olympic judges during right. the Olympics. That's right. I mean, that's what we do. I would I love, you, I'd love yeah. to see you participate in like men's gymnastics. I think we should all just. I. I. I just think on a fundamental level, like my kid was playing club volleyball. Okay, she was playing. It's club volleyball. It's like twelve-year-old club volleyball. Some of the parents were yelling at the officials all the time, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could yell at the official. They're probably going to miss some calls. But I'm like, this is 12-year-old girls club volleyball. Like, we can't expect that we're going to get, like, you know, Joey Crawford up there on the net. Like, we're not getting the best official that, that you know, is on planet Earth. We're just – I think we're just grateful that someone's there. Right. And, you know, my good friend, you know, Steve Politi, who's a columnist in New Jersey, he wrote a column today about – you know, how parents in youth sports need to take the game back from the bad parents. Because the bad parents right now are getting all the news. The bad parents are beating up umpires. They're chasing them to the car. They're throwing things at them. They're getting ejected from games. And Politi just sort of said, hey, these parents are giving us all bad name. We better get to this and start policing the bad parents ourselves, or we're going to end up with youth sports and nobody to officiate them. It's a problem already. I'm, you know, I hear, I've heard in the last two weeks from two different official organizations who are saying, hey, uh, you know, we have a real shortage of umpires and we have a shortage of football officials and 
uh, the Referees Association in the state of Oregon wants to come on the show because they want to promote, hey, people, you want to come out and, and participate uh, and be part of the game, part of the atmosphere, uh, you know, come out and be an official. They, you know, they're trying to recruit because I think it's become a thankless job where you get screamed at by a bunch of idiot parents who are videotaping you and yelling horrible things at you. So I think the good parents who are out there watching youth sports games, I think we need to start calling out the, the offenders. You know, like if you see somebody in your own team's cheering section who's making the umpire the focus or the official the focus, like maybe have a little talk with them and pull them aside and be like, you know what? You know, this is a, a youth sports game we're at, for crying out loud. Like, you know, fo- let's focus on our kids on the team and let's accept that the umpire is not ready for the big leagues. And even the guys in the big leagues miss calls. I want you to leave it here. You got the bald face truth. The Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, I'm sitting in the Oregon Convention Center, 90,000 square feet of space here. Worlds of Sport is going to be taking place here in this space on Saturday and Sunday at, right here at the Oregon Convention Center, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m on sunday um blazers have already put up their basketball court it is stunning it is about 50 feet from me they also have a full retail shop that they have put up there is a pickleball court i see goal posts that are regulation nfl goal posts that are set up at the far end and i've seen a couple people kick field goals already some of the crew setting up here uh, there is a beer garden set up. Uh, there is the uh, pickleball court. There is uh, the Toyota crew has put together their activation, and it includes a Toyota Tacoma truck that's got a basket, a literal basketball basket in the back of it. Camp Exceptional has a obstacle course going up. The uh, Oregon State, Oregon State's doing something really cool here over the weekend. If you want to know what the west side of Research Stadium is going to look like, Oregon State has virtual reality. So you can come here and put on the VR glasses, and you can tour Research Stadium as if it is done, completed. University of Oregon is also doing an activation. Uh, the hops, the winter hawks, the thorns, and the timbers are putting up a soccer pitch. What I'm saying is, for the first time in the history of this state, you have all the teams, all the programs that are in this state, they are all in one place. You can visit them all together. This is not a 20-minute uh, you know, viewing experience. You're going to need several hours to get around to see everything at Worlds of Sport and participate in everything. I hope you give it a look. Uh, it's Father's Day weekend coming up. Uh, shout out to all the great dads out there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I try my best to be the best possible dad I can be. I don't get everything right. But I also know that um, that there are so many good dads out there that that have influenced so many lives. For all the dads out there, I don't want to wait till Friday to say this. Thank you for what you're doing. And for there are a lot of people that don't have a father in their picture. 
And for those people, I want to give a shout-out to the uncles, the cousins, the neighbors, the friends, the foster parents. Uh, I want to give a shout-out even to some of the moms and, and aunts and that, uh, that step in and assume the role of a father. So shout out to you guys, Father's Day weekend. I hope to see you at the Oregon Convention Center. I will be here all weekend. Uh, the panel discussions, this stage that has been set up, you probably, if you were listening all show, heard forklifts and hammers and things moving around, and it was noisy in here. There was a little bit of atmosphere on the broadcast. But I got to tell you, there is a massive stage that has been constructed just off to the side of where I'm broadcasting from. That's where the panel discussions will be taking place Saturday and Sunday. It'll be really cool. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson's coming up right here in Portland, top of the hour on 750 The Game. Peter, what do you got on your show today? Oh, man, so much to talk about. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks trade for Christian Wood. I love the move for them, but does that potentially mean good news for the Trailblazers? I'll share what that means. Uh, of course, we're going to look at the NBA Finals tonight, and it's Thursday, and that means I'll let everyone know what's popping around Portland, kind of a community calendar. What's popping? I'll tell you what's popping. This event, you, you and Judah are going to be out here on Sunday talking gambling along with yeah. the uh, A sportsbook manager. You guys will be part of a discussion on sports wagering, so that'll be fun on Sunday here at Worlds of Sport. I'm telling you, Peter, I hope you bring your kid out here because your kid's going to be in heaven. Yeah, yeah, no, we're really excited. I've shown him the layout, and I'll tell you, he already knows what he wants to check out. He's eight. He's old enough, good enough that you know we can get out, throw the ball around, and he's yep. very concerned about the idea of how fast do I throw, how fast do you <laughs> throw. So we're going to get in front of that speed pitch. Now, is that a Jugs gun or is yeah. that the other brand? No, it's the real gun. It's the real deal. And uh, and here's the other thing. One of the uh, there's a golf activation here that I was blown away by. Like normally when you go to like a golf show or something. Somebody will bring a putting green in, and it's kind of a rinky-dink putting green. This golf ac activation that they have going here, they brought a dump truck in, and they dumped gravel and soil on the convention center floor and then put the golf stuff over that. It's literally a real putting green that is a uh, massive putting green that people can putt and use golf equipment on. So I haven't even checked that out yet, but I saw the dump truck come in and I was like, what are they dropping <laughs> soil here? Like, I didn't even know you could, I didn't even know you could drive cars in here. I guess it makes sense. They hold the auto show here, but I didn't even know you could do that. But all of a sudden I was looking around, there's like 30 cars driving around the room. It's going to be unbelievable, John. I'm so yeah. excited, man. And I mean, you've been talking about it for so long. It's here. It looks incredible. Yeah. Can't miss. I don't want to annoy people by talking about it too much, but it uh, it's going to be really special, and I, I'm glad it's happening here. Like, for all the knock that Portland gets, this is an event that's going to be very cool. Wherever you're listening, if you're listening anywhere in the broadcast footprint, I hope you give it a give it an opportunity. Check out Worlds of Sport. Dot com. Uh, Peter, let me pepper you with some of the topics that have come up on the show today. Yeah. Uh, are you? Uh, do you want robots to uh, to be the officials? If you, if the if the robots could get a hundred percent of the calls right, would you replace the humans 
who make judgment calls with robots. Man, it depends on the sport, and I, maybe that seems hypocritical. Do you want the calls right or not? I love the idea in Major League Baseball. I used to be opposed, but man, the umpires have... I don't know how you They're get worse, but they have. But something like the NBA is so subjective, I don't think you can truly get it right. So much of that is a bang-bang judgment call. What is traveling? What isn't? What is you know an illegal hold? Who initiated contact? I gotta keep the humans there but major league baseball give me the robot umps you'd get rid of star treatment if you had robot officials i think the stars would hate it because all of a sudden you get lebron fouling out damian lillard fouling out um i was looking at a stat the other day you probably have seen this stuff but it was it was percentage of points scored at the free throw line and you could get a and you could gather that uh, james harden was on top of the list uh, lebron was high damian lillard was high 22 yeah. percent of his points come at the free throw line. Steph Curry was unusually low, only 16% of his points. Now, part of that is probably that he scores so much and he shoots the three. He's not in the key as much as others. But it really was, that whole list was littered with star players. The higher the percentage, it it definitely demonstrated that if you're a star in the NBA, you're going to get calls. Oh, without a doubt. And it reminds me, my first thought there, John, is, uh, uh, man, this might be 10 years ago, eight years ago. Uh, the NBA officials, they wanted a new deal, and I, they went on strike. It might have been a lockout, but they were on strike, and everyone's like, good, get those bums out of here. And it was only for preseason, but they brought in college officials, and they called the game by the book. It was unwatchable. It was. I love that. It's just a reminder. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) All right, uh, another topic that came up. The 2026 World Cup host cities were named. United States, Canada, Mexico. Portland did not get to host. Portland was skipped over, I think in part because Vancouver and Seattle both Mm -hmm. are hosting. But uh, how big of a blow is that to Portland? I mean, a little bit. My first thought was that I'm not surprised, but then you think about the fact that this is Soccer City USA, and that's not just lip service to the the soccer fans here. It really is. So when you think about it in that regard, and you go, man, you know, okay, Boston got one, but not Portland. Eh, it's a little bit iffy, but it makes sense. I mean, you know, four hours north, six hours north, ten hours south. I, I guess I understand it, but it's a shame. 11 cities in the U.S. got picked. Portland, not one of them. I think the minute you have Vancouver and then you add Seattle and San Francisco, mm-hmm. I just I think Portland at that point is at a huge disadvantage. Also, you got to know that the stadiums they picked are massive. And, you know, even though Providence Park can hold, you know, a, a larger crowd than it could before after the expansion, it's not like going up to uh, to Seattle in an NFL stadium, it's not going to SoFi in Los Angeles. You just can't get 55 or 65,000 people into Providence Park. So that's part of the problem. All right, I like the uh, Boston Celtics tonight in game six. We'll find out who wins coming up. Peter Sampson and the Pulse, they're next right here on 750 The Game. The Bald Face Truth is out.